Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. Welcome to the show, that is the Suns Hooked on Wrestling, and we are very happy to be with you just a mere 10 days or so before WrestleMania 34. I cannot wait, but actually, today's topics are going to be the periphery of WrestleMania. We're going to talk about all the things that go on around about WrestleMania weekend, specifically the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony and NXT TakeOver, and we'll have a little chat about the force that is WrestleMania weekend as well. And of course, as usual, I'll be doing so in the company of my colleague and my good pal, showbiz Paul Benson. Hey there, Paul. Hello, Rob. Hello, everybody. Are we, uh, let's, are we going to get on a bit better this time rather than our last podcasting endeavour? No big, uh, no big bones of contention this time, I don't think. Well, it depends if you want to listen to reason and, and, and realise that I'm right, really, doesn't it? If, uh, if uh, those of you that uh, don't realise what uh, Paul is talking about, um, if you didn't listen to the last podcast, it was all about the uh, the ultimate deletion, and that is the uh, the Matt Hardy Bray Wyatt escapade from uh, Raw, uh, which is now about uh, ten days ago or so as we record this. Uh, and we had a little heated debate, as Mrs. Merton used to call it. Uh, earlier on in the week um, but uh, nothing was solved but we are still friends I'm sure everyone would uh, would like to know um, and indeed if you just heard Paul at the very top of that podcast there sound a little bit muffled it's because he is actually recording this from underneath a dilapidated boat um, that's how much he's uh, fallen in love with the Hardy compound he's trying to uh, relive one up there in uh, in mid Yorkshire where he uh, where he resides if anyone can find me a giraffe named after a former president then let me know write in no, I don't know. I can find you a donkey named after the current one, but that might be something quite different. <laughs> um, so, Paul, are you? Uh, I've, I think I've asked you this already, and I certainly asked everyone on the uh, the show mm. last week when we had four different guests all uh, doing some WrestleMania chat and some individual matches. But are you feeling in the WrestleMania party spirit, sir? I am actually. You know, basically, I've I've lived and breathed WrestleMania now for the last three or four weeks with all the organising of all these events. Um, sometimes quite hard to get excited about it when you when you're sort of in the trenches getting these things ready uh but it looks such a cracking card this year the bill hasn't been amazing but the card is and it's impossible not to be excited there's not a match on there i don't think that um that i don't think is going to really be really be decent and i haven't been able to say that i was, I was trying to work it out actually my opinion is the best on paper card since wrestlemania 19 so what's that 15 years ago um I think that's a big that's a big opinion by myself there. Um, a lot will disagree with it, but I am properly excited. I think you can certainly say, if you look at every single name that is available to WWE, and I include the NXT shows that we're going to be talking about, I would argue this is probably the deepest the roster has been since, I'd say, the invasion. Yeah. Since all of those 
WCW and ECW wrestlers got integrated within the the WWE roster, WWF as it would have been then. Um, I think you know since that experience, I mean, you got some unbelievable talent. So WrestleMania 19, you're talking about 2003. Um, yeah, okay. So around about then, you've got that's when they'd got uh, they'd got hold of all of the radicals by then, and they'd got Flair and they'd got uh, Eddie. Um, sorry, I've already said Eddie, but they'd all, uh, they had Ray. I beg your pardon. Uh, and they'd also brought in um, the likes of some of the first wave of the developmental guys, so people like uh, Cena and Orton and Batista and uh, and Brock Lesnar and all of those guys were coming through. So I think you've got a point. I think 2003, you would say it was very, very deep at that point. But um, uh, I would challenge anyone to find me a point in the, the last 10 or 15 years or so since WrestleMania 19 where you could certainly have a deeper roster because uh, not only are they struggling to get very good talent onto WrestleMania itself, but uh, we're going to talk about the NXT card shortly. And uh, I think NXT, we talked about about a year ago, seemed to have a bit of a fallow period where all the big stars yep. have been called up and they were just floundering a bit. Oh, I think they're through that now. I think we can have a look at this card and see um, just how many people they've been able to cram onto the NXT card because it's a bit busier NXT show excuse me, than normal. Um, but there is... Uh, nary a dud among them so it's going to be a, a lot of fun to talk about and hopefully even more fun to watch and um, before we get on to that though Paul did allude to how busy he is with party planning and that's not that uh, uh, he's gone into business doing some sort of uh, father of the bride style wedding event um, it is the 25 yes 25 I said 23 on the show last week and I was incorrect it is 25 different shows a quarter of a century uh, for Paul to have to worry about and they are happening all over the world folks not just in different parts of the UK but we've even branched into Calgary Alberta Canada for the first time so hopefully wherever you listen to this there'll be a, a Wrestlemania party going on not very far away from you we won't go into the uh, the full pluggage right now we'll save that for the uh, a little bit later in the show where we'll go through a lot more details but for now Paul um, what have you got to tell them about Wrestlemania parties all I'm going to say is that this is going to be our biggest um, biggest event ever by far everything everything is starting to pick up now everything we've already sold way more tickets than we've ever sold before to any other um, pay-per-view it's flying it's absolutely flying what is it up against is it up against last year's Wrestlemania or this year's Raw Rumble actually the biggest one was Wrestlemania two years ago which just so happens to be the only one that I've been away for Um, also happens to be the (laughs) one of the worst shows we've ever done as well go figure um but yeah that was the biggest we've done so far we sold 2100 2100 tickets to that and we've already beat that comfortably um not a surprise because we're doing a lot more venues but you know this is that was final count after everyone came on the door this is 10 days hence um so it's it's pretty spectacular um it's gonna be every event's gonna have a good atmosphere all 25 uh, people are really starting you know you you see these patterns and waves of ticket buying and it really kicks off in these last 10 days when everyone's finalised their plans seen what the card is got the time off work realised I've got enough money in the pocket and it's absolutely flying so you know there's a couple of events that are very very close to selling out London Bridge is sold out bar a few extra tickets I've put on sales about 5 or 6 there our main party in London um, at the Clapham Grand there's about 65 tickets left there so they're going to go so there's there's less than 100 tickets left total in the entirety of London for us um, we've got we've already sold out one event in Newcastle um, yeah Manchester's quite close to selling out as well 
It's pretty mad. It's pretty mad, mate. But I'm delighted. Good stuff. If you if you are if you are in the London area and that's you getting panicked that um, uh, Clapham's going to sell out and London Bridge is already gone, uh, we have got kind of a record number of shows going on around the capital and in the home counties, mm. are we not? So we were are we were in Watford, we're in uh, Newbury, we're in Chelmsford. Luton. Uh, we're in Luton. So there's a, there's a lot of uh, official pronunciation there is Luton, Luton, by the way. Yeah, silent T, <laughs> L-U apostrophe O-N, Luton. Luton. That was that was where I was uh, going, folks. It's not a jab. It's a it's a piece of piece and of local finally you're Luton free. Um, oh yes, Luton free. Yes, very good, sir. I am in fact I, I am on the uh, on the Luton free um, Peroni as I often am during this show. And I actually forgot to mention that when we were recording earlier on in the week for the uh, uh, the, the deletion show, I was actually trying out the uh, the San Miguel gluten free, which was uh, rather a uh, rather a nice drop as well. I'm just I'm saying that because um, after mentioning Peroni. Lots and lots of times on this show, uh, nothing. N- zilch, on, nada, guys. no endorsement. So I thought I'll start mentioning Sam Miguel and see <laughs> if they uh, uh, see if they come on board as well. Um, but yeah, so there are lots of other ones uh, around about the uh, London area is what I'm getting at in uh, in commuting distance, uh, or at least a very uh, very short journey. But listen, wherever you are in the country, almost wherever you are in the country, uh, there is likely to be one uh, quite near you. I apologise to my. Um, brethren down in the southwest that we don't have too many in our part of the world um, but uh, maybe we'll rectify that sometime in the future um, because we are where we are this time does not necessarily mean that is where we will be next time uh, so when we do SummerSlam in a few months time we will be trying out new venues one that's, ones that go really well this time will be kept on but others might be tried um, maybe Paul will take on more than 25 because he is an idiot yes I am um, So he, and, and a massive uh, glutton or is that gluten for punishment um, so uh, where can people uh, get their hands on tickets especially for those ones that are uh, running out of time for those select venues that are proving extreme get yourself down to ringsideworld.co.uk um, you can and then just type search hooked on or if you've got to google and search ringside world hooked on events you'll go straight to our landing page there um failing that you can go to facebook.com forward slash ho wrestling forward slash events again you'll see a list of all our events with ticket links so you can get tickets from a number of different sources you can even go to hooked on events forward slash sorry hooked on events.co.uk forward slash store um do not delay it's payday weekend so this is when we see a nice uptick so those london tickets are going to fly if you're in london you want to come to our biggest party then you ain't got much time is that the hookedonevents.co.uk forward slash store where you can get some brand new hooked on wrestling? It would t-shirts? be one and the same, Rob. A number of our parody T-shirts now available, uh, twenty pounds each. If you order them, or probably Friday, you might get them in time for WrestleMania now, but we can't confirm. Um, but yeah, we've got a whole ra- yeah, Easter, we've got Easter a whole weekend, range so, uh, on there yeah. now. Um, we're also we announced today in some of our venues, so in uh, Clapham. Uh, London Bridge, Leeds, Manchester and Newcastle, the, the Aspers Casino venue, we're going to be selling a range of WWE merchandise, t-shirts hoodies, caps, even a few replica titles going to be in a few of the venues um, for you to get by, so if you want any of those guys, they're going to be there on the night in those venues and can we point out by the way, fully licensed, um, not oh, God, no, no, official. rubbish and, and knocking them off official WWE merchandise that they are allowing us um to sell and we are in like, in conjunction with I think that's fair to say isn't it Paul um, and this, uh, this is legit um, not like those um, crafty sods that when you come out of uh, Manchester Arena after watching a TNA show and they tell you genuine merchandise and it's got The Undertaker on it um, yeah because he's in TNA isn't he 
Um, but uh, no, this is this is a real, real deal. So um, there's no uh, dodgy stuff around hooked on. We are completely uh, above board. Um, and also, what are the uh, the other? Can we talk about the other special deal for hooked on party goers this WrestleMania? Um, not just yet. We'll launch Ooh, that, okay, we'll launch that very soon. But one thing I will say to people is also what I like to do is keep an eye out um, on the Hooked On page on the afternoon of the 5th of uh, April. April. I was going to say September there for some reason. 5th of April. Well, I won't. Keep a lookout on the Hooked On page in the afternoon of the 5th. There's going to be something quite exciting on there. I'll say no more. We're really chuffed about it. Um, it's something that we can uh, shout about that nobody else has got. Um check it out I'm not sure I know about that do I know about that yeah you do you do yeah oh okay I, I just don't, don't think I oh, know mate, there's, so, there's so much it's cool um, stuff going on that you don't know which bit of cool honestly, stuff it is this sounds like this sounds like we're doing a bit now it sounds like we've gone oh let's talk about how much <laughs> stuff but genuinely guys this is every day Paul rings me and goes we're doing this now and it's like bloody about actually to be fair We've probably had about 20 things we were going to do for WrestleMania, and about seven well, of them are happening. Because there's ideas every day, and some the of them big just one, The big one. That's a pretty good hit rate. The big one that was rate. disappointing was the. Um, I'll tell him because it's gone. It's gone now. It can't happen. But yeah, no, it's we okay. We were it's planning okay. to do um, for our quiz. I had got quite a long way down the line to do an official world record attempt for the biggest ever multi-venue quiz. The world record is 2,600 and something people. And I thought, we can smash that. We can absolutely smash that. So I'd got a long way down. I'd got some support from some very um, interesting sources, shall we say, some very high-profile sources in the wrestling world that were going to um, tweet about it and make it known about it. We were going to do it. We were going to do it across all our venues. But then when I applied and the, um, the criteria came back from the Guinness World Records people, it just became completely ridiculous. I would literally need have needed a crew of about 150 people just to marshal um, that attempt. You needed things like you needed to have an inter- external auditing firm. You needed to have video proof of all the exits and entrances in the place whilst the quiz was going on. You needed coloured sections in all the bars. They needed to submit floor plans of all the bars. It was just completely, completely impossible to do, unfortunately. Um, so yeah I've been looking forward to that for a while but just this week I had to let it go gutted it's a shame it is a shame it would have been it would have been fun but uh, just a little insight into Paul Benz about the things that uh, he's working hard on which actually don't come to fruition <laughs> all the ones that do um, but we mentioned the quiz though that doesn't mean the quiz is no. not going ahead of no. course no. the quiz is going ahead um, it's the centrepiece for many many people so uh, around about 9 o'clock usually depends from venue to venue but pretty much 9 o'clock is roughly the time uh, where we do the uh, the Hooked on Wrestling, uh, famous Hooked on Wrestling quiz. Um, for some venues, there's a bit of a tweak to the system. We're looking forward to uh, giving you something new. We're always trying to keep it uh, evolving. Um, so that'll be going, that'll be going ahead. And uh, the quiz will be in all venues. Um, the version of the quiz is yeah. slightly different depending on where you are. But uh, um, that's the kind of centrepiece of the evening. So there's prizes to be won, fun to be had uh, doing the Hooked on Wrestling quiz. And then we have the other usual uh, great stuff. We have the uh, the wrestling theme music that's being played. Uh, we encourage you to come along in wrestling fancy dress. And uh, um, that's not uh, obligatory by any means, but it's great to see you uh, in your costume. Uh, and if you want to try and uh, catch our eye with that, try and be nice enough. You know, we've seen a lot of the same. We've seen a lot of Randy Savages and Hollywood Hulk Hogan's and particularly Bray Wyatt's. So uh, try and get things uh, nice and original if you can. But well, listen, we would love you if you just make the effort 
Uh, it's great stuff. So all these sorts of things are going on uh, in the venues. Um, there's some venues that will have, um, certainly in London anyway, we have the, uh, the, the we have the beer pong, which is uh, something we do, and we have the uh, WWE video game. And again, so this is not the same for all venues, but uh, oh, no, every venue we're not, will we're have We're not doing something. the WWE video games this time, mate. We've, we're giving that one oh, a rest this time to try okay. other things. Do beg your pardon. But uh, for, anyway, there's always something going on in all the venues, uh, and not to mention uh, our fantastic hosts. And we have been... Um, very very hard at work to uh, to put some great hosts in place. So all 25 venues uh, have someone running the show in the back of the, the, the behind the scenes, and have someone up front hosting it for you. And we've done our very best to find you some uh, some great personalities, either local personalities you might know from local radio or local TV around your area. They might be um, British wrestlers. They might be British wrestling managers. Uh, we've got um, uh, Andy Shepherd. We're very happy to have who's our uh, host for the London Bridge VIP show. He's the WWE UK ring announcer, um, and all kinds of other um, uh, special people, including some that are very close to us who've been part of the Hooked On family from the start. And uh, we introduced you to um, to four of them last week, or three of them last week. One of them was uh, Stevie Cox, who's our DJ in London, who'll be uh, alongside me. Um, but uh, the other three uh, you heard last week were. Um, Gilligan Gordon, Chris Hatch, and Jade O'Malley, uh, who you can find in. Uh, let me see. Gilligan is in Chester. Yep. Uh, Chris is in Newbury, and Jade is in Leicester. Um, so if you uh, feel like finding out what uh, your host is going to be like for any of those venues, have a listen to last week's show. They were all great value on the show, uh, and it gives you an idea uh, of the kind of caliber of people we have. Well, those three in particular, we wanted to uh, uh, to introduce you to, who might not be quite as well known as some of the. Uh, the top level wrestlers like we have um, people like um, Dave Mastiff and Doug Williams and uh, Joseph Connors is that right Paul and uh, a few others that are uh, uh, of that sort of level so um, we uh, want to make sure you fall in love with your host because uh, hopefully the, uh, they play an important part in there it. you go and then the other thing to mention before we crack into the meat of this podcast is we just this week announced we're going to do in London uh, a bit of a different viewing party on April the 27th we're, oh yes, of course. Yeah. We're going to do something a bit no frills. Um, it's going to be the first ever WWE Greatest Royal Rumble viewing party. Look, it's, we all know it's not going to be. It's going to be a, basically a massively glorified house show. And when we say massively glorified, it's going to be a house show in a 70,000-seater stadium with a 50-man Royal Rumble and seven title matches on. So, um, so rather <laughs> just very, very Saudi Arabia. Very Saudi Arabia indeed. But seven, seven title matches and John Cena versus Triple <laughs> uh, Yes, quite. And the Royal Rumble. Um, so the point is, it's uh, we thought it's a ludicrous event, so we'd do something for it. But it's at 5 p.m. on a Friday. How could we miss the opportunity? Um, so basically we're getting you guys down to uh, the dugout at Belushi's at London Bridge where we had our New Japan Wrestle Kingdom party earlier in the year no frills okay so there's going to be no host I might say a few words on the mic there's going to be no oh yeah there's a chance there There we go basically we're going to all sit together we're going to have some drinks get some food it'd be a good chance for us guys to get to know you a lot a bit better without the pressure of having to run this crazy night we're going to watch pay-per-view at five o'clock when it finishes and god only knows when that'll be um we'll hit the town we'll go around anybody who wants to join us is absolutely more than welcome if they can stand to be in our company any longer we've knocked the price down uh, accordingly we're only going to charge a fiver for this party um, and telling you what we're going to do we'll be completely honest with what's going to happen so um, whatever profit we make on that, on that money um, half of it is going to go to our beer fund for the night might as well not beat around the bush and the other half is going to go mm-hmm. to WWE's Connors Cure Charity so um, it's a good cause 
be a good a good laugh. The hooked on regulars. We're not going to be sort of announcing this to the world. We're not going to be trying to get as many people impossible. I've, I'm making sure everyone who's a follower of Hooked On can see it, and that's it. Um, so spread the word if you want. Tell your friends. More importantly, come on down, relax, have a good time, and watch some ridiculous wrestling on a Friday night. Yes, absolutely. I am devastated. I can't make that one. Um, the uh, damn WWE for their scheduling when they've uh, decided to go to. Uh, Saudi Arabia in a week where I have to um, for those that don't know I'm, uh, I work in the media department at Plymouth Argyle Football Club and we have a home game on that Saturday so there's nowhere I can turn around being in London on the Friday night uh, to be in at Home Park Plymouth against uh, for our game um, against Rotherham United on the uh, on the 28th of uh, April but, but not should say Rotherham United Paul's son Samuel's uh, here <laughs> of course Rotherham United even though he doesn't quite know that yet um, but uh, had it been the week before I have to be in London on the on the Thursday, Paul, and then we're at, we're at Northampton on the Saturday, and I have a day to kill. Wait. So literally, the following week, the f- week before, would have been the Wait. most perfect it's day. Not ever. Too late. Ring our friend Dave Bradley. He's in charge of live events. Get him to change it. Yeah, that's true. I imagine Dave. He's, he's got some power. A couple of. The, there's a couple of the shapes of course. out there that uh, Dave probably knows well All enough. All he needs to, to can, uh, just have definitely a just needs to ring Triple H, ring a shake, and you've got it. Yeah, I don't see why that couldn't be a um, couldn't be a problem. It's um, just, just so I suppose what it needs is for the Shake and Vince to get together to just put the show seven days previous. Is that what we need? So it just it basically all all it needs is the Shake and Mac to put the big show back. But, um, <laughs> You've just come up with that on the spot, haven't you? If I'd have been planning it, mate, then that, that would have is, been the uh, that right. been truly. If tragic. everyone will please um, permit me a second, uh, Rob needs to go away and run a lap of honour around his lounge for a second on that one. Hang on, let me just. Uh, that was quick. It's not a very big lounge. Outstanding, outstanding. Shall I tell you what it's borrowed? It's borrowed from. Right, I've heard that before. It was um, many many years ago, Leeds United, a team local to you. Leeds United were taken over, or at least there was talk of a takeover from a uh, uh, from an Arab investor, and they were going to appoint Gordon Strachan as manager. And the newspaper headline was "The Shaken Strach Can Put the Freshness Back." So that's uh, that's always been in my mind as being one of the great headlines. Brilliant. Um, and so I, I had that in the back of my Brilliant. mind. And there's, by the way, a hell of a lot of people listening to this podcast going, "What are they talking about?" Um, in the late 80s and early 90s, there was a video, an advert on television for a, a product called Shaken Vac. And they would sing, "You do the shaken fact and put the freshness back." So there we are. That's, I just, I just suddenly had a thought there'd be a lot of people who are 25 going, "The pair of them have lost it. They, I, they don't know what I'm talking <laughs> about." So uh, go and Google it, YouTube it, shaken fact. Brilliant. Okay, um, should we talk some wrestling? Shall we? Yeah, well, I told, I told everyone we were going to do the short plug tonight, and we didn't. We did the long one, so uh, we'll keep right, it short. It was worth it, even show. if it but, took us an hour to plug our little stuff to get that pun. Worth it. Yes, indeed. Um, anyway, I, I shall put that in the uh, in the trailer, shall I, on the, on iTunes where people download I think it. So. Just say, listen, listen to thirty minutes of plugging just for Rob's nineteen eighty nine <laughs> advert pun. <laughs> anyway, um, let's talk about the Hall of Fame. Um, in fact, no, 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 we'll, we'll do the Hall of Fame in a second. We'll do that first of our WWE events. But I want to talk quickly about the uh, the nature of WrestleMania weekend. You went to WrestleMania for WrestleMania thirty two. Uh, a couple of years ago I went for my only Wrestlemania to Wrestlemania 25 um, but even when I was going even when I went 
WrestleMania was really, really starting to get traction as a as a city-wide event. So I'm talking not just about what WWE put on, because it's been a long time where WWE have essentially gone Hall of Fame, Access, yep. WrestleMania, Raw after WrestleMania. They've been doing that a long while now. But about 10 years ago, maybe 10, 12 years ago, people started to cotton on. I think Ring of Honor were really the first one to say, okay, well, let's... Why don't we do one of our big shows in the same city when there's loads of wrestling fans knocking around looking for something to do? When I was in Houston for WrestleMania 25, uh, Booker T was a, a Houston native, and I'm not sure was independent at that time or whether he was uh, a TNA uh, wrestler. I can't really quite put that one on my timeline. Uh, I think he was probably with TNA, mm. actually. Um, but he put a, um, uh, a convention on in a uh, exhibition hall, which was literally right next to the hotel I was staying in, uh, which was right next to the... Uh, venue where the Hall of Fame and Raw were taking place, and the uh, the name of the centre has, has escaped me for the time being. Toyota Centre, mm. it was called. Um, so that was all in a, in a small location. Actually, the city centre of Houston was not uh, was not tremendously big. You could get around it relatively easily on foot. Um, and when you did so, it was you know you go to a normal American city, and it's uh, it's uh, full of people who live and work in that city, and they're called Hank or Bud or something other um, something else, which is fairly stereotypical. But actually, if you tended to uh, meet someone um, in Houston at that time, they were probably called Dave and were from West Bromwich <laughs> or something. It was uh, uh, it was full of um, full of Brits in uh, Houston at that time. It was very cool indeed, seeing that uh, we'd all gone over there and taken over their city. I think that still happens. I'm sure that uh, people will know from their own times at WrestleMania that it's uh, it's a very international and indeed very British uh, event where we all come over uh, and change the atmosphere of the city. Um, but other wrestling companies have cottoned on. So TNA used to do some shows uh, knocking around that. Now there are various other independent shows. Uh, friends of ours, such as Jim Ross, has his one-man show. Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson and various others do their uh, uh, do their shows. I've compared it to the Edinburgh Festival. It's, it's almost like uh, WrestleMania is now in itself the sort of the wrestling festival. So whatever uh, city that you're in. Uh, it becomes the New Orleans Wrestling Festival, ostensibly, um, for a uh, for a couple of days, and I think it's it's really cool. Did you? I know you, you were over there with um, uh, with your wife Sally, so um, you spent right, quite rightly, I might add, um, spent some quality time with her. Um, but uh, so you didn't get to see a lot of the other wrestling uh, uh, escapades. But um, there is so much going on, isn't there, in the city, and you can tell that it's just. A buzz with wrestling. Yeah, you really can. And you're right. I wouldn't, if I'd have gone with my friends, I would have seen a hell of a lot more. Um, specifically NXT, which it still irks me that I had two tickets in my position, two free tickets to NXT that I had to give away um, to Chris Hatch, which reminds me on the part, I was listening to last week's podcast and he said, um, I've got to give Paul Benson some credit. Um, and then he didn't give me the credit. <laughs> he just started talking about NXT. What he was trying to say is that I gave him and his wife my tickets. <laughs> oh, okay. But he just forgot that bit. Do you know, when I when I was at WrestleMania uh, in Houston, I got given tickets to go to the uh, Houston Space Center or the NASA Center in Houston while I was over there. And I, and I didn't go because me, me and Joel Ross basically went on the piss and then went to Raw. I could have gone to Houston, we have a problem and all that. Mission Control. You've done the right I didn't, thing. I went... I went drinking but with no, Joel Ross. As I was saying, like it was, it was absolutely bizarre. And, uh, 
an experience like I've ever had before for three days, you know, from getting there at the, in the airport to hanging around the hotel to walking around the city to going out to bars at night. You were just bumping into fans, um, you know, and it was weird. It was so bizarre. No, not even near the stadium or any of the venues or the events. There were just fans were everywhere. There was 100,000 wrestling fans invaded the city. So you can imagine that's quite, quite a decent sort of concentration in a city, even in a city the size of Dallas. Amazing. And the other thing is, like, you know, you hear all these stories. Now, I didn't bump into any of the WWE guys, but you hear all these stories about you, you're sitting in Starbucks and Xavier Woods walks in. And, uh, you know, you'll be you'll be walking you know, through a bar and there's Baron Corbin or whatever else. I didn't get any of that. I did hang, I did. Uh, I did get a very cool opportunity to hang around with a load of the non-WWE signees in a bar one night, thanks to Jeff Jarrett. We were out drinking with Jeff and Rob Van Dam and, um, oh man, man alive, there was a few others now. That's bad, isn't it? Valkyrie. There was loads of them. It was really, it was bizarre. Matt Hardy was there for a while. Um, and then I bumped into, randomly bumped into Sean Davari on a street corner. Um, yeah, he was waiting for Nick Aldis and I was like, oh, I know Nick. And he's like, yes, I think I recognise you, bro. I'm like, you probably don't, Sean, but it's very nice of you to say so. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a surreal experience. You could definitely go there and have a great time without setting foot in Mania Stadium, without giving WWE a penny almost. I actually bumped when I was at WrestleMania. My bump into was I was with um, Richie Parr, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and and his brother Matt, and we bumped into Daniel Bryan. Wow. Brian, da- Brian, da- Brian Danielson as he was then admittedly we were in the venue where Ring of Honor were that night so it wasn't like it was a complete surprise um, we were walking down some stairs as he was walking up and he completely and utterly forgot the um, the fact he forgot the, the he forgot the taxi ride that him and I had shared about how dare he how dare he didn't even not, fair enough he wouldn't remember me but he, did not, he didn't seem to remember being in Wolverhampton um, which is where he was well, maybe, but, they, uh, maybe they how, need to look at his brain check again eh well, I was going to say that, and that was, uh, yes, one of my points was that he was showing those symptoms even back then. So what I say, and I'm sure wrestling fans around the world are with me, when it says we should retest him and get him yeah, back. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think we should put the brakes on, not rush these things, and just make sure he's completely fine. Ask him about that Wolverhampton taxi journey, and if you can't remember being in that camp with you, then I'm afraid we're just going to have to medically unclear him. And Shane McMahon, in his diverticulitis state, can... Um, call on one of his mates to help him and tag and if we can do I don't know we'll do Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus Shane McMahon oh now how good that, who, who would not want to see that if we can't get Daniel Bryan that is the next best thing but I, I on that part, you know, I know we're not, we're not concentrating on Mania today but I can't believe Shane McMahon's going to actually wrestle because it seems those those that illness is legit um, and he's going to actually bloody go through with it he must be insane well he is insane um, but yeah or, or, or maybe the maybe the illness isn't as bad as they say. Maybe, but I don't know. I just maybe it's a work. Maybe. You just, I just uh, if so, I've been worked. I, I, I just well, I just find that the, the, my default setting is work. Mm. You know, so or even if it's true, they will factor it up by X amount of notches to make Shane look, you know, super Shane, so he comes back through the uh, through the adversity. Just, just dead quickly because we are we are we're not going to do too much on the the main show itself, but dead dead quickly if Shane doesn't make it and they do Daniel Bryan plus someone who do you Kane. go with? Without him yeah, thinking nice. twice I've got a better one if they could if they could get him I've got well, a better one they can one. get him it's CM Punk surely no no no, oh, no a no, genuine no, one go on CM Punk. one that they genuinely could get because it makes sense on every level mm-hmm. Chris Jericho 
yes I know what you mean that is very cool doesn't excite me though I'm not asking whether it excites no. you or not I'm not interested in you I'm saying but for, for gen- generally imagine being because I'm not necessarily saying now listen I'm a huge Jericho fan and I absolutely think he did amazing business for New Japan um, it was a great match he had with Kenny Omega I think he is saturated enough to the North American and let's call them Western WWE audience where I don't think Jericho moves too many metrics anymore I think if you're going to watch Wrestlemania you're going to watch it anyway I don't think he's going to inspire people to watch Wrestlemania but I think if you go into that show with Daniel Bryan plus a mystery partner versus um, Zayn and Owens and then when the music hits it's Jericho I think the pop would be monstrous I agree and it would be a really, really cool moment. It would make sense. How? By the way, don't forget Daniel Bryan's first match in WWE. I know. Was against Chris I nearly. I was going to say that myself. Um, or oh, first match. Sorry, sorry correction. Because someone will tell so, someone will tell me that he was on Velocity jobbing to someone <laughs> ten years earlier, and he did some dark matches against Regal or whatever. Yeah, fine. His first match as Daniel Bryan in his WWE stint when he first joined through NXT um, was against Jericho. Um, and of course Jericho's just had the recent history with um, Kevin yeah. Owens so I just think it would be a very very cool fit and by the way what a match it would be and also Jer- Jericho could carry Bryan as well I, I'm my, I have a slight worry that if we have Daniel Bryan ver- and Shane McMahon versus Owens and Zayn um, the baby faces generally in a tag match take the punishment and then someone has to come in for the hot tag so essentially what they would have to do is beat up Shane for 10 minutes Um and it's going to be not quite the same, you know, because Daniel Bryan has to make the hot tag, mm. so it's not going to be quite the same having being Shane. Jericho could do a lot more of the work, you know, to protect Bryan and, and not have uh, Daniel do quite as much. So that would be an even better fit. Um, but you're right, though. I, I think logically, if you have to go to it in a minute's notice, I mean, Jericho might have something booked. I don't know. I doubt. Well, it. he's sure he's he's, he's, he's actually no, he's he's working that night. He's got a concert. But we all know that. You know, he's a master manipulator. If he wanted to get out of that, you know, there's ways and means. There is no one better than Chris from that. But so, yeah, you're right. I think you go to Team Hell, no, don't you? You go to Kane. Um, so that's the, uh, the natural thing to do. And again, Kane can, uh, can carry some of it. Although it will be weird to watch Kane as the bigger wrestler doing a little bit of the, um, uh, the Ricky Morton <laughs> style thing. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, Back on topic, WrestleMania weekend just being this um, huge event, um, all sorts of uh, conventions and, and whatever going on. But in terms of WWE itself, um, we seem to have so much now as well, um, as well as all the uh, the bits they do in the city. I remember when I was in Houston, Paul, I went to the WrestleMania reading you challenge. You have, I remember you mentioning that. I did. I was. I basically was still was in. It was in the uh, the little portfolio. The um, uh, the Order of, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say there's a an agenda, a, an, an order agenda. of play, an agenda. That, can't, that could be that. There, a there schedule. Is another word that's in my brain. Yeah, there's, a, there's still, still another one. It will come to me. Um, but um, I was uh, on that was the WrestleMania reading challenge. So I spoke to the PR guy and he said, "Do you want to go to that?" I said, "Yeah, great." And I think I was the only one there from any sort of media outlet whatsoever, because uh, everyone else had just realised it was some kids reading aloud, and uh, <laughs> and and I said, "Nope, I want to." Uh, Experience all of the uh, all of the different um, parts of WrestleMania, but there was uh, I seem to recall Matt Hardy MVP, um, Mark Henry, Layla. There were quite a few uh, talents that they sent along to uh, to that. 
and uh, it, to me it was just part being part of everything all I would have done was sat in the hotel there was nothing else going on at the time uh, so I wanted to be part of as much as I possibly could but there seems to be so much that's going on these days um, but I wonder how long it will take WWE to try and own a little bit more of what's occurring and so what I'm kind of putting to you and we'll maybe talk about this longer after Wrestlemania as a, as a bigger topic but I think we might not be all that far away from a two-day WrestleMania. We've talked about this before, I haven't can, we? Yeah, I can definitely see maybe um, the Hall of Fame on the Thursday night, NXT on the Friday night, and then WrestleMania being Saturday and Sunday. I think they have enough to make it, rather than having an interminable four-hour, 45-minute WrestleMania with a two-hour pre-show, I don't see why you can't have a pair of three-and-a-half-hour shows. And... and have enough talent spread across the shows to really give you the full value for money on both nights. I, I honestly think, you, I don't, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't do a Raw one and a SmackDown one. I would keep them mixed up. But I honestly think that you could make, and you, you could unofficially make the first one like the working. Yeah, yeah, show. exactly right. Do you know what yeah. I mean by that? I think that you would, you wouldn't come out and say it outright, but. The match, I mean, let's face it, Shinsuke Nakamura versus AJ Styles is the match that we're looking at as a, you know, an old school, almost intercontinental title match in the old days, you know, when we always knew that the workers were in those matches. So when you had matches like Bret and Piper and um, Savage and um, Steamboat and all those kind of matches, um, Michaels and Razor, uh, you would, you would know that that's the one that kind of the wrestling fans want to see and the sports entertainment fans would be more interested in say Cena, Undertaker and uh, Lesnar vs. Strain. so I honestly think you could split Mania up and you could have then you've got two legitimate main events on each show or sorry two legitimate events main events one on each show and some other great matches I honestly think it's within a few years of coming to pass yeah I think you're right I think it's a it's a very credible plan and, and like I say you could easily make the distinction like you say the workers Wrestlemania and the, and the sports entertainment Wrestlemania no problem and I think you could almost imagine WWE wanting to take this umbrella of what's going on and obviously they want to make as much money as possible and uh, they've got a lot of sway with the cities I remember I think I can't remember if it was last year or Dallas where there was the stories coming out they there was a rule that if they were to take Wrestlemania there no other wrestling events were to be um, allowed in buildings controlled by the city um, during WrestleMania week obviously because they don't want to you know they want all the money going in their pockets and rightly so and then last year you saw something very interesting in that you had guest matches at Access do you remember that from uh, from yes, Pro right, Progress yeah. Wrestling was the one I remember with you know who would have thought Jimmy Havoc and Mark Haskins would have been wrestling under the WWE umbrella uh, in WrestleMania week great for those guys I think it's brilliant um, but very very surreal um, there was probably other companies I can't remember but Progress sticks in my mind and that was very interesting as well because you know, WWE can has the power to shine an even bigger spotlight on these companies. Not that they often need it. That is, you know, all these companies are selling out at Mania anyway. And I love how there is such a variety of stuff. You know, if you go to WrestleMania week now, there's such a variety of um, for every, you know wrestling for every taste. So you've got the ultra serious stuff with you know your evolves and uh, Ring of Honors and things like that all the way down to this Joey Janela's spring break where you've got Matt Riddle against James Ellsworth and Glacier on the card and last year they had Marty Jannetty in the main event and things like that and it's, 
it's very kitsch and very you know it's it's, it's got its place i think personally um it's it's almost like a, a not a piss take that's the wrong word but it's um it's, it's you know boozers you know 11 o'clock at night having a few drinks not taking things too seriously type wrestling and there's definitely a market for that i think if you went to wrestlemania this year and obviously i know people that are you could plan such an interesting and varied schedule not to mention one of the acts that's in um, New Orleans this year performing on the Friday night I believe is John Cleese John Cleese has a live stage show one man show in New Orleans on the Friday before Wrestlemania I'm assuming completely unconnected but isn't he going to get the shock of his life when three quarters of his audience are made up of drunk British wrestling fans shouting Monty Python (laughs) Yeah, good. Yes, yes, yes. Every time he does the Basil Fawlty, it'd be absolutely surreal. <laughs> oh yeah, that's rather that's rather brilliant. I'm now in my head desperately trying to do any kind of Fawlty Towers wrestling pun that I can think of, and I can't do any. I have to come back to it. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> don't mention the raw. But moving moving swiftly on. Yeah, so I think anyone going out to WrestleMania. Um, uh, if you're listening to this, you're not coming to one of our parties because you're heading out there, having an absolutely fantastic time. Um, spread the hooked on word while you're there. Tell people about SummerSlam um, and indeed the greatest Rumble party. And we'll see you very soon. But um, for those of you that are staying, of course, we hope that you'll uh, enjoy the show with us. So let's talk about Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame is the show that's um, uh, traditionally been uh, on the on the Saturday nights of, uh, of WrestleMania, they do it the other way. It's now the Friday, isn't it? They do Hall of Fame then NXT. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm just got a little bit confused as to which order they did it in. But uh, Hall of Fame used to traditionally be the uh, the Saturday. Um, I was there the year that they uh, the headliner was Stone Cold. Nice. It was very cool nice. to be in the, uh, the in the arena for that one. Probably the biggest star ever going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, I also got to see one of my heroes go in, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Wow. Um, so it was a very cool night. Um, I'm trying to remember who else was there. Howard Finkel went in that night. The Funks. Um, there was some uh, some really cool names. Um, there are some pretty cool names this year as well. And Paul's already dropped a little uh, little name earlier on. Was this, uh, when he was at WrestleMania two years ago, I believe on Hall of Fame night. I'm not certain about that. Um, was, uh, no, it was actually NXT night. Oh, for just for narrative. <laughs> shut up. Just for narrative. Just yes, say Robert. It was. it was the Hall of Fame night. <laughs> He was uh, happened to be with an old acquaintance of his, Double J, Jeff Jarrett, who, by the way, we're going to try and speak to uh, on this podcast after WrestleMania. He's got, he will be absolutely chock-a-block with WWE inquiries and all sorts of stuff going on now. But uh, Paul and I both know Jeff. Paul knows him better than me, but we both know him and we're quite confident we can uh, give him a call once everything's sort of died down. And actually, to be fair, I'd prefer to speak to him afterwards because right now, what are you going to say? Yeah. Are you, are you looking forward to it, Jeff? Oh, no, I'm, I'm dreading it. Of course he's going to be looking forward to it. So I think it'll be much cooler. At the moment, everyone wants to speak to him because it's the news. I would like to speak to him much more afterwards to say, what was it like? And I really look forward to, uh, to Jeff giving us a rundown. So let's start with him. He might not be the headliner as far as... Um, WWE are concerned, or even some of the fans are concerned, but he's the speech I'm most looking forward to seeing. Um, I want to see how they treat TNA, whether they let him say that, um, how far down that road he can go, what he can talk about in terms of when he left the first time. I suspect most of those things will be, you know, cannily avoided. Um, but uh, he's the one that I'm most looking forward to seeing. Of course, the same, because he's the only one, you know, of all the wrestlers in the world 
you know who've made it big in the attitude era he's the only one who i can genuinely say i know you know properly know the guy um so i can't wait to see him inducted and i think it's thoroughly deserved as well i think the timing works really well um i think that it's not something i would have bet on a year ago but obviously he's out of tna he's out of gfw he's out of impact wrestling whatever it is now so he's not got those ties and those um sort of barriers that he had before so why not he's good friends with road dog with jesse james who's there now um and personally you know i think if he wanted to do it he would be such an asset in the wwe machine jeff's an entrepreneur he's one of life's entrepreneurs and that's why unlike a lot of wrestlers he's sort of his age you were big in that era who faded away after you know they'd have the big time in wwe or wcw then they'd have their runs on the independent scene might have a return to WWE or WCW here and there, but eventually they'd fade out. Jeff's really the, one of the very, very, very few who took the bull by the horns and went, you know what, I can't find real opportunities here, so I'm going to make opportunities myself. And that takes balls, it takes skill, it takes it takes a lot, it takes a lot of things, you know, to to to, to launch a company which Jeff did. And TNA was a genuine number two in the world for a long time. You know, it was it was not it was never WWE. It wasn't even close. But it was far, far, far ahead of everything else. Genuine international promotion. Um, and he created that. He started it. Um, I think he's an innovator. And I think. Let me just let me let me just grab you on on. on on that point because I don't want to stray too far from it. When you think about when when Vince took over the Vince McMahon that we know now. You know, took over WWF in what the late something 70s. like that, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, how many people have taken Vince? Very on? few. Uh, and I mean, successfully or unsuccessfully? No, loads. Oh, sorry. Yeah, loads. sorry. I meant. Okay, go on. But how many have come even close to making a, a, a dent, an impact, as it were? Very, very few. And in fact, probably single figures. You can talk the combination of Ted Turner and Eric Bischoff. And you can talk about some of the promoters that were left hanging around, such as your your Vern Garniers and Bill Watts and whoever else that was around. Um, and that's sort of the time when WWF was becoming this global force. Oh, look, I did it again. Um, but um, uh, <laughs> but when they were really sort of taking over into the WrestleMania era, there were people that tried to fight against him. Ultimately, were all unsuccessful. And then once WCW was out of the picture, I, I, you, you might even include Paul Heyman in those people, but obviously ECW fell by the wayside. In 2001, two companies, or 2001-2, two, two companies um, tried something that stayed the course. And one of them was Ring of Honor, although that was always going to be on a small scale. Ring of Honor has never tried to compete with WC, uh, WWE. Um, it's done brilliantly to last as long as it is, and it's also it's an alternative, but they've never tried to compete um, there were plenty of ones that started up. Do you remember? I believe there was the XWF yes. and there was the WWA. Yep. And there were other yep. companies that were sort of little startup things that tried to do something. All fell by the wayside. But little TNA, with its stupid weekly pay-per-view model, um, somehow managed to stumble along and get itself into bigger and better places. On was it ESPN Sport? Was it was it ESPN yes. Sport? Yeah, yeah, it was, was wasn't it? No, uh, was it ESPN Fox Sports? It was on for a while. Fox Sport, Fox Sport, yeah. that's what it was. But uh, on on things like that, and then on to, uh, on to Spike, and on to wherever what? else it did. And listen, it, it, it fell away, and ultimately, I'm, we're not going to do a, a long history of TNA here, although we should do that one day, actually, me and you. We should have a TNA show where we talk about uh, its history and some of its uh, uh, bigger players. We'll do that in the, uh, in the interim between WrestleMania and SummerSlam. 
Um, but ultimately, it's the only one that even had a real swing at WWE. And I still insist that when they went to Mondays under Bischoff and Hogan, I've always thought the best run of TNA was around about 2008 and nine. Yep. And then Hogan and Bischoff took over in late 2009, realistically at the start of 2010. Yep. And they made WWE come out and fight. Now, I know that Jeff is a little bit in the periphery at this point. We're talking about yes. Jeff here. But this is the thing he started, and this is the thing that he pushed along, and he was still in a major position through 08 and 09. Um, both on screen, I enjoyed his baby... I didn't think he was a natural baby face, but I enjoyed his baby face stuff that he did against Kurt Angle. Um, I particularly enjoyed his... Uh, MMA fight. MMA, gimmi- MMA gimmick once um, Bischoff and that had took- taken over. But So Jeff was still part of the place at this point. But when they went to Mondays, they had one Monday show and then they went back to Thursdays and then they went full-time on the Mondays. They had a swing. Now, they swung and they missed by miles. But they didn't miss by miles because of necessarily their little position in the world. They missed by miles because their show was terrible, mm-hmm. in my in my humble yep. opinion. I think had they managed to find the Nitro formula that Bischoff found the first time, had they had a couple of people that had really shaken up the wrestling world, do you know what? Had they had Daniel Bryan, had they had Bryan Danielson, which I know Paul Heyman was trying mm-hmm. to do if he'd, gone to, if he'd gone to TNA, had they managed to get him at that point and just captured a little bit of the imagination of the public, I don't know, you know. I think they could have had a serious run, whether or not they'd still be here, whether or not they'd have had to concede eventually, we shall never know. But they are the only company that has ever got within a um, tiny bit of swinging distance you could argue that they lost within the first round of the bout, but at least they got to I, the dance. I will say, and, and sorry, Jeff must be credited. With the that. biggest compliment that WWE gave them um, in that absolute insanity, the absolute insanity of competing on Mondays, was they felt it necessary to go back and get Bret Hart to yeah. compete to counter that program, and counter they did. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. As soon as Bret Hart was announced being on Raw that week, TNA was dead in the water, yeah. um, and right and Very rightly smart. so, but. Um, I can even tell you the date of that. That's how important a date in... And I am crap at dates. And Paul will tell you that I can never remember the difference between Backlash and Judgment Day. And I'm rubbish. I can never remember the differences between all those things. I get the years wrong. But I can tell you that Bret Hart returned to WWE TV on January the 4th, 2010. There you go. And I can... That, to me, was a huge, huge day in wrestling history. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was on honeymoon for it. And I remember... Um, in the Maldives trying to get some data on my phone I think it cost me about £50 to read the results for both Raw and TNA that week and I've considered that money well spent um, crikey alright million dollar uh, I had a bit of spare cash then it was... I was dr- dropping 50 quid in the Maldives <laughs> to read TNA results Hello. Um, yeah well yeah that was the previous life Good big salary and no kids um, but no I remember you know... making his summer residence <laughs> in the Maldives the, the fact is you know you can imagine the cogs wearing they saw TNA as such a threat that needed quashing that one week they went out and mended bridges with Brett the Hitman Hart and got him to be on Raw that was like dropping a nuclear bomb that was the nuclear bomb of wrestling promotions Uh, and they killed the Monday Night Wars before it even started what would have been the equivalent um, when Nitro started you know WWE wasn't Raw wasn't even on air that week when Nitro started but I can't can we even think of what the equivalent might have been in 1994, 1995? Oh, what if, if Raw had tried to kill Nitro off? Kill Nitro off on day one. What what could they have even done? I don't. Wow. It's an interesting question, actually. I don't think there is bringing the Ultimate Warrior back, mate. Yeah, I tell you what, that's a real shout. 
that probably would have been it because Warrior did come back a couple of times around those eras, didn't he? He came back came for back. WrestleMania 8, and then he came back, as you point out, in the build-up to uh, WrestleMania 12, it would have been, wouldn't it, in 1996? So, yeah, I think Warrior would have been a shout. Um, I would need to look at the exact rosters at that... Um, if only it was, wasn't it? I think it was ni- Was it ninety four? Was it Nitro? Was it ninety five? Early ninety five. I think it was ninety five. Yeah, I think wasn't so. It? In fact, I don't think it was even early. I think it was midway because Luger. Right, Luger yeah. had been on the WWE pay per view the night before. So was that King of the Ring or was that SummerSlam? I'm not. Um, do you know what? We should know this, but no, I don't know. But Luger, certainly Luger after was, WrestleMania. I think it was SummerSlam, right? I think it was SummerSlam where it was Diesel versus May. Right. And I think Luger came to the ring and saw off King Mo. Not King Mo, that's that's the MMA guy. Sir Mo, yeah. I think he saw off Sir Mo and Diesel then beat Mabel. I think, I, think, I, think I, I think it was SummerSlam and then basically either the following night or the following week Luger showed up. Because uh, they were doing the storyline of his... I think they were building to Diesel versus Luger yes. basically where they were doing the storyline of is Luger on Diesel's side or not and at some point they were going to do some sort of swerve but that so Luger was very much in the the, the thinking of WWE and, and then he sauntered out on Nitro so I think it was mid-2005 so um, you'll say that Warrior came so it was probably only nine months until the Warrior came mm-hmm. back so very fair chance he would have been the one that you could have tried to, uh, to do that it might be a good social media question I think we can uh uh, stick that up on the socials and see what comes up over the next week or so to see if uh, people can come up with it. It could be quite a fun sheep question, perhaps in the future or something. Like um, or what would uh... bit too open ended to be a sheep question, but yeah. one we can one we can certainly use. Um, but yeah, going back to Jeff, I think like you say, my my original point was, I think if I, I don't know, I've I've spoken to Jeff about this. I don't know him quite that well, but if he's at a point in his life where he'd be. Um, content, content's the wrong word. What am I looking for? Um, what's the word? I'm um, happy, I suppose. You know, fulfilled. If he'd be fulfilled by being part of WWE, he could be a seriously, seriously big time player behind the scenes. If he, if NXT. Uh, whatever. I see him. I see him. In, I see him in NXT just to create. Oh, he'd be really good at working with. Barish. Um, with uh, oh, I wasn't thinking of just JB, but I was thinking of. Um, thinking of Jeff creating characters for people creating you know believable characters believable storylines um, because if, there, if there's ever been a criticism of someone like Jeff um, it's been a criticism of people like uh, Russo and various others which is that they can come up with good ideas and they need someone to polish yeah. it off well if he's got Triple H on his side he's got Vince on his side I think Jeff I think Jeff is a creator I don't think he's a I mean I think he'd probably be a good agent because he was a good wrestler, he was, good, he was, a, he was you know, he would be able to put a good match together. But he was not a, an all-time great in the ring. I think it came naturally to him because he'd grown up in the business. I'm not quite sure how much that would translate, but I definitely see him as a creative, you know, um, for and also, yeah, I could see him being able to help out on a should we book this venue and should, oh, you know, totally. how should we book this wrestler in the in this market because he's a business. I think he could do anything on and off screen. Imagine if they wanted to move William Regal into another role, he'd make a great GM for. Um, for NXT he'd make was, a great gem you know if Daniel Bryan wants to go back in the ring Jesus he'd be a great replacement for him on Smackdown and a very credible one I think he would that's a really good shout I don't I don't see him doing that I don't see WWE thinking of him at this time but I, I could it's only just popped into my head to be fair but 
I think he'd be a brilliant. I think he'd be fantastic in that role. Because remember, he can still talk. He's just the right age for it. He's got, you know, he, he's a wrestler himself. He's not too big to be imposing. Like, you couldn't have Kane as a GM, for instance. Um, I, th- I think he'd be a phenomenal fit for that role, which presumably will be coming vacant very soon. And when you do the GM versus GM inevitable face-off... <laughs> He can, Karen, he can bring Karen Angle Derby. Or the Karen he can bring the wife. <laughs> he can bring the wife, can't he? So, uh, well, as long as he remembers those MMA moves, I know he perfected the ankle lock in three days, so let's hope he's not forgotten it in the interim. <laughs> but no. I loved, I, I genuinely love Best thing, yeah, that best thing he's ever done. It, Amazing. It, if people don't know what we're talking about, there's always a fair chance people didn't actually watch TNA at certain points. But Jeff basically did this gimmick where he... He was a self-proclaimed MMA star, and he taught he taught him. He was a self-taught MMA fighter, and he taught himself really quickly. What was there a point behind it? Was there a just basically saying he, whatever M- Kurt Angle could do, he could do better? It was to do with yeah. Kurt, was it? I, I, I was trying to remember if it feud. was there. Yeah, okay, but it was. Oh, it was great fun. It was great it was. fun, and he was still sort of in the background of um, what was the ludicrously overblown the main event that after, they called yeah. themselves. No, 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 the main event oh, was Fortune. I'm talking about the... No, the Hogan, the Hogan one. Oh, God. Um, they were, they were I was just, re- I was just talking about them today, you're right. Um, Fortune sort of split off from them. Yeah. Fortune were part they, of the yeah. overall group. And actually, I loved Fortune. I thought, thought baby-faced Fortune, which was essentially, what was it, Rude, Storm, Doug Williams AJ? for a time... Kazarian. No, Doug was in it. No, 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 no. They, they were in. They were in heel. Doug was in heel fortune. Oh, was he right? Okay. Yeah, he was in heel fortune, and so was I think Nigel for a, a split second. But eventually they went babyface. The four of them went babyface. It was AJ, Kaz, and Beer Money. And then I think AJ might have got injured, or someone got injured, and then they replaced them with Daniels, and that's where the Daniels Kaz team really started. Right. But I remember just loving Fortune. They had such a great range about them. With, but they they also they they would dress similarly. They had the similar sort oh, of colours. Oh, it was awesome. But they all had their own gimmick. You know, Storm still looked like Storm, and Rude still looked like Rude. And, um, you know, the, out of nowhere they found a, uh, um, a really smashing gimmick. It's just it's annoying me. Immortal. Um, what? Immortal is what they were called. They were immortal, and and Double J was part of Immortal as a sort of lackey figure doing his MMA stuff and. I think uh, some of the best times of his career. Um, when when can you remember first seeing Double J? Would you? Because I, you know, watch I watch the old tapes and he's there, um, you know, sort of helping Yokozuna against Undertaker at, at Survivor Series '94. But I sort of don't really think of that Double J very much. I think of, you know, the the IC title run against Razor. That's where I well, really see Double J for the first I, time. I remember his vignettes because I never missed an episode of Superstars back then. So I remember all those vignettes filmed in and around Nashville where he's giving it the old J double F J A double R E double T. Hi folks. Um, I thought it was you know there was a lot of vignettes around. I won't lie and say he stood out to me. I thought it was interesting as a kid, but there was tons of vignettes like that around that time. You know there was always a new wrestler on the way. Once one guy debuted, a new like set of vignettes died up. But um he was good man like, I remember seeing him for the first time and seeing that wacky costume he had and um, the country music singer was a good heel gimmick uh, to me he, I never really got serious with him until he uh, what did he do he went to, went to WCW didn't he as part of um, well, son of a four horsemen oh, yeah, you're, 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 you're a bit down the line yeah. you're a bit down the line yeah but I'm, I'm saying that 
I was my point was going to be that I think when they gave him the roadie, I think that's when you started to get a sort of a credible mid-card yes. heel. And I don't think he ever felt anything more than that. But he was IC champion and he had those matches with Razor and um, you know I think as a as a credible mid-level uh, heel around about that point, I thought he was excellent. And but I thought that the the edge that they gave him with the roadie character and they kind of ruined the the breakup of that and you know rock you know not rockabilly but um the, the, the double j jesse james thing i think was done i think they were going to get to that reveal were they not and then i think did did j i think james got fired i think they both walked out or did they both yeah walk out? they both yeah, walked they, out after was, there was a pay-per-view where they did um the live performance a bit with my baby tonight and then they just left and so and then he came back as, as jesse james and then eventually jeff came back and he had a couple of stuff. I think he came back and feuded with Ahmed Johnson, didn't he? And then that's uh, right. Then he built to the whole China thing, and he left again. And there was the NWA Jarrett in there. So he had lots of different sort of incarnations. But I think it's fair to say that you know, almost like a footballer that sort of played 20 games and then got injured and then transferred to a club and fell out of form. He never really played 40 games a season, did he? He never had that sort of long stint with one club, as it were, in football no. terms. He always seemed to, as soon as he was gathering steam, he'd have an argument and leave, or you know, get injured, or just uh, someone would lose faith in him. It never felt to me like he got that run, really, until late WCW, where they gave him the title and he was involved in all the stuff with, you know, Arquette and DDP and all that kind of stuff. Which, unfortunately for him, is is a kind of tainted era because it was so gimmicky. Well, quite. Um... I'd, not, not, not through no, any through no fault of his, but he was very much Russo's boy, and I think that'll always be a stigma on that. Yeah, that that era of WCW was so ridiculous and so tainted that unfortunately I I can't take any world title run seriously. Yes, he was a world champion there, but there's a massive asterisk against it for me. Four times. Yeah, Four that's times. my that's my point. You know, it was just, it was just ludicrous. He was. Um, Great, it got pushed. Now, you know, the one thing you can say about the one good thing you can say about Russo is he was never afraid to give new guys the the, the chance, um, because he liked, because he basically had attention deficit disorder and he couldn't stick with one thing for very often. So there's a there's a lot of guys getting a new uh, a shot, and Jeff benefited from that. But I'm sure he'd tell you himself that it was not the highlight of his career. Well, as I'm sure Russo would say, you know, we, we could talk about Jeff for a while, but you gotta keep it moving. <laughs> So move move on through the uh, uh, through the um, the Hall of Fame list, and like I said, we will we will endeavour to get Jeff on the show. I would be uh, hugely uh, looking forward to a chat with him, and let's ask him about. We'll ask him about Russo and is there a stigma to him and all that kind of thing. I'm not afraid oh, to no. ask uh, Jeff Jeff some of those questions. Well, in fact, actually, just one final thing in passing was um, uh, when I interviewed Jeff for uh, WrestleCast would have been about 2000 and ooh, 2009 or 10. Uh, alongside my uh, my good pal Joel Ross, we um, we interviewed Jeff, and I remember I was asking him about does he have a relationship with Vince, etc. And he basically said no, but I do remember him saying he was on good terms with Shane. And I know he said that um, him and Shane contacted each other from time to time, or if they bumped into each other, or would exchange the odd text. And he kind of said it was usually not anything to do with wrestling. Yep. Um, and I'm not sure whether or not Shane was. I think Shane was still around at that point. I think it was before Shane went. You know, on his hiatus from WWE when he was uh, um, not the hiatus hernia that he suffered last week on SmackDown, but when he was on hiatus, he was off for a, uh, a, a wee while. I don't think it was during that point, so I think he was still, you know, sort of active around WWF at the time. 
Um, but I remember Jeff saying he was pals with Shane's. So it really doesn't shock me that Shane's, you know, been back in the fold for a couple of years, and that Road Dog is, you know, some sort of head of creative, and that uh, now Jeff's back. I think the stars have aligned. I think had uh, had it been just down to Vince and Triple H, I'm not convinced Jeff would have been anywhere near it. But uh, I'm pleased that he is. And then just a quick, a quick final word, I suppose, just uh, on anything you've uh, picked up on on that particular. Uh, line, but also the fact that uh, Road Dogs inducted him. There probably wasn't anyone else. No, there. no, it was the obvious and only choice. And one thing I was going to say when when you said one more thing, I remembered. Crap, I've got to get this in. If we do not hear with my baby tonight on that stage, then then we then we, then we riot, then we burn New Orleans to the ground, because that is that has to be done, doesn't it? And it will be. I love the fact that that. I love the fact that it's the success of Bruce's podcast. Totally. That's got that totally. over. Totally. But, but the fact that Bruce did it, the first ever live Bruce Pritchard show. Jeff was there. It was Jeff, yeah, Jeff yeah, was yeah. there, and then they did the song at well, the That was a year ago, wasn't it? That was a year ago at WrestleMania. And, you know, to me, it's like the. Uh, do you remember in, what would it be, about 2002, three, whenever it was, where Peter Andre was on I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here? And it, it, it got him over to such an extent that Mysterious Girl got back to number one. I, 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 mate, I uh, don't remember. I was, called, no. I was called Mysterious Benson at school, and it was for a reason. So I do. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> oh yes, and it wasn't the reason you thought uh, it no, was. Basically, pal. my my inverted commas best friend told me that Peter Andre, when this single came out, Peter Andre was a a local DJ from Louth, so I should buy a single to support him. So off I trotted to our price to buy a Mysterious Girl. And then, um, yeah, a guy called Fred, who is now a GP in Liverpool, um, spent the rest of school calling me Mysterious Benson. Uh, And it stuck, and I was Mysterious Benson for... Or, uh, oh, I wasn't or, expecting or, or, that. But yeah, anyway, the point is, yes, Bruce brought that back. <laughs> now we've got an opportunity to see that on the biggest stage, and I would be devastated if we don't get that. I think yeah, I would like to start a campaign to get it to number one. Should we do that? Do you think we could do that, or is it a bit too late? No, no, because I was part of the... Uh, myself and Wrestling Memes mm. uh, were the uh, the driving force behind trying to get Fandango it into, just the, missed. Uh, into the charts. We just missed. We got a mention. Did we? I listened to the chart. I listened to the charts that that week for the first time in probably a day, probably since J.K. and uh-huh. John were doing the charts. And I listened to the charts that week, and whoever was doing it, I guess it would have been Wes Thingamajig, oh, would it? Um, I'm not quite sure, but whoever was doing the charts at the time, or it might even have been Fern and Reggie, um, said, you know, for everyone that's asking, no, Fandango didn't quite. Oh, make it. it but they actually mentioned it. But they they mentioned it. Well, so. You know, we got I, I would argue and, uh, that that was what four, four, five years, five years ago now. Um, it's a lot easier yeah, to get a, more, yeah. get a cha- song in the charts nowadays, mate. On the old downloads, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Okay, well you you do it then. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. On, your, on Bye. you go. Fine. I tell you what, if you get if you get with my baby tonight in the charts on WrestleMania Day, I will sing it on stage in the uh, in the Clapham Grand. Deal. Okay. It won't happen. That's an easy bet on my part. That's not going to happen. Um, but uh, yeah, just 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 again quickly, um, Road Dog, perfect, um, perfect inductor. Because not only is it someone that's involved with Jeff, but a good talker. And don't forget, by the way, we had one of our early parties at Walkabout. We had Jeff on screen. We had, we had, we had uh, Jeff we live actually. on screen. We had a Hall of Famer live on screen. That's true. I, for, I had forgotten about that, partly, partly because it didn't... So, Jeff well. Jarrett on screen. But Next year's Hall of Famer, Tatonka, was in attendance for one of them. We're just a golden touch, mate. 
and uh, good news for um, for Jimmy Havoc, Tony Storm, Kaylee Birchall, and various others that have, uh, that have come by the uh, Jimmy. Jimmy the, Tony, uh, it's just a matter of time. It is a, a matter, as you rightly point out, of time. Um, right, okay, let's move on. So um, we'll go to the top of the card, I suppose, as it were. Goldberg makes sense as a uh, um, uh, as a headliner. And it's kind of the rule now, is that you, it almost seems to be if you come in as the video game guy, then you go in as the uh, the Hall of Fame guy. So Kurt, Sting, Goldberg. Warrior. Warrior. It's how it follows, yeah. isn't it? You get so whoever's on the video game in a couple of months' time, nailed on for Hall of oh, Fame. Oh, totally. They become the legend du jour. Although, although I do suspect that um, headliner for next year. Legend de un, I would argue. Well, I would not be able to argue back on that one, but um, jour being day and fair, fair enough. Um, Legend d'année. But I think I think it's going to be Rock or Taker as a headliner next year. Anyway, we're in New York. We're in a major market. It's actually thinking about it because it's New York. It does feel like it's Rock's nailed on. You feel like it ought to be, don't you? The only other place Rock could go in would be in, in, in Miami. Miami. Miami oh, oh, Miami, of course, yeah. 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 Miami is his hometown. No, I don't even think Miami, because I think it would be a... I think Rock's beyond it. I know that's his hometown, but hometown gimmicks are... You know, this is meant with much love, but hometown gimmicks are for people like Jim Ross mm. and um, you know, others that are associated with that place. Apart from the fact that he is from Miami, Rock. there's nothing about Rock that is Miami, is there? Um... Do you know what I'm saying? Is that some people are like, like Paul Heyman is really New York, isn't he? So I would associate Paul Heyman with New. I could see him being a New yes. York guy. And Sting is really sort of Californian. And there's certain people that you could associate with a certain place. I don't look at Rock and go Floridian. No, because I think I think he's beyond it. So I think Rock is so big you have to do New York or mm. LA because you're basically doing either New York, the most influential city on earth, or fair Hollywood, enough. Yeah, fair point. Any place you could fair do point. the Rock. Um, but if they went to Miami, they probably wouldn't, you know, they probably wouldn't avoid it deliberately. But I think, um, you know, for example, they've they've spent a lot of time in Florida doing um, WrestleManias. I don't see them going back within a couple of years, do you? So, um, I don't think. I think you're right. I think Rock Rock next year is the uh, is the shout, and then Taker probably the next time they go to uh, to Texas, maybe. Yeah. So but, um, to Goldberg. Goldberg. Um, yeah. Um, probably the least interesting of the Hall of Famers and I don't mean that as a criticism I just mean it's very obvious that he's on there um, I think he had you know it's so great that after the you know he had a great WCW run um, where he made himself a megastar or he was made a megastar um, his original WWE run was Pam um, and he, he went left the wrestling industry under a cloud so how great that he got that really brief but really impactful feel good run um, at the end of 2016 into 2017 you know very few times you see a guy that you really are chuffed for and who really you know it's great that after having so many years where he kind of resented his place in the wrestling business almost he wasn't enjoying it the pressure or not being what he wanted to do really stopped him from enjoying himself and being himself and now he came back and he got to got to be you know got to enjoy his place and his position in the wrestling industry for the first time and he got to feel the love that fans felt for him and it was I, you know, I'm so pleased for him as an individual that he got that um, and now he's going in the Hall of Fame but um, I, I think the most interesting aspect of it is, is who's inducting him and, and more to the point um, who 
who was there to induct him? There was, you know, because he his his periods were relatively brief. He wasn't known to have very many long-standing relationships. Um, he's not been around apart from that small time period for a long time, and he's not. He doesn't feel like he's a WWE guy, certainly, and he's not really a WCW guy anymore. Who is it to induct him? Now, am I remembering this wrong, or did you not ask this? Honestly? I did actually, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, are you near a computer? Can you dig I'm out your near, answers? Well I'm right near there? a computer, but um, if you can waffle Maybe for I a couple a of waffle. minutes, I might be able I'll, to find some. Oh, oh, I think I can oh, manage I think that. You should. Um, how long do you need? Oh, just minutes? give us an hour, mate. I don't uh, want to quit. I don't want to cut you short. I'll, I'll do my Goldberg hour for you, <laughs> my pre-prepared monologue, my Alan Bennett oh. Goldberg. Well, I, fir- I first watched Goldberg back in 2000. No, I can't, <laughs> can't do Alan Bennett. Um, but um, I think Goldberg was always going to be one that was nailed on to go in there at some point. I am slightly surprised about him being a headliner. I actually really? thought they might. Yeah, I thought they might sort of sneak him in with a sort of a, a slightly. When I say lesser WWE guy, I'm talking someone like... See, when they put in Edge, and Edge was a headliner, to me Edge always felt like a a really great talent, a credible world champion, but not right top level. You know, you think about some of the people that have headlined that class. Hogan, Brett, Flair, Austin. You know, the ones that are that very, very, very top level that are the headliner... I don't see Edge in that. No, agree, I, I agree. And, I, and, I'm a, and I'm a big Edge fan, but I don't see him in that right top level that one day Rock will have, and Cena will have, and Taker will have, and Jericho will have, and you know, and, and you know, various others will, will make it up onto that level. I, I thought they might have a found, a found someone on that level. So when, for example, they put in like a, the Big Show, I thought they might do the Big Show as like the headliner and Goldberg as the number hmm. two. So you've got two on the same sort of level, but you lead with a WWE guy. I know Big Show was the giant, but you know what I'm saying. Um, I thought they might do that. But fair play to them. They've gone and they've pushed on and they've made him the top man. But had he not had last year, it would have been really interesting to see how they would have done it. You know, Had, had he not come back, done the whole um, Brock thing. Um, and I thought what was nice, what, what you just said about feeling for the guy, you know, feeling happy for him. I think it's worth pointing out that a lot of Goldberg's career, he was the snarling badass, and people liked him. I find it hard to say this in the right manner without sounding weird, but he was he was like an animal. Yes. He? he had that sort of. Sometimes you watch a wrestler, and it's like even like a, a even a superhero, like a Batman or something. Batman's not very likable, is he? No, true. Batman's a bit of a cock most of the time. <laughs> But he is no, most most people. But people people play Batman as a sort of unsympathetic loner. I'm not talking about the TV series, you know, no, of course. Batman. But you know, so because I'm not sure how. I'm not big on those kind of films. And I'm gonna, by the way, I'm careful not to call it sci-fi. I know that can piss people. <clears> but um, I can't. I'm not sure. You know, Batman doesn't have like his little pal Robin, really, does he? he he's he's a quite you know intimidating loner figure. And he's also, by the way, not got any superpowers. I think that's a weird thing. Is that you can't actually fly or spin webs, mate, while you're dressed in that stupid gear. But anyway, that's another story. But I sort of put Goldberg in that sort of area. He feels like a sort of loner superhero character as opposed to a sympathetic man of the people babyface like a, like a Bret Hart or a Daniel Bryan. And 
I think it sometimes makes it harder the lot further down the line because once they can't be Goldberg anymore, once they can't be the Ultimate Warrior anymore, you know that sort of ass kicking, hit the ropes, spear, clothesline, bang, four minute match, whoosh, bang. And once they can't do that anymore, it's hard for them to gain that sympathy. But to be fair to Goldberg, he came back and he cut a hell of a promo, and that had never been his forte. It was always snarl, grunt, someone's name, you're next, and that pretty much mm-hmm. did it for him. But to come back and basically stand in the ring, and he was obviously uncomfortable, it wasn't his natural thing to do to stand there with a the mic, but he managed to weave in, into it a really nice narrative of how I want to come back and be a hero for my son. And I think most people, apart from absolute wankers that can't help but boo anything that's slightly nice, and there are plenty of them out there, by the way, but you know, I think most people with any trace of heart in them would have gone, oh, what a lovely story. You know, what a nice thing to do. What a nice thing to want to be... You know, there's a bit in Mick Foley's book where he talks a few times about them, about Vince and Shane and other people where he says, I actually like it when fathers and their sons appear to like one another. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, I, and I understand that. I, I have a great relationship with my dad and I, I know lots of people who don't have with theirs and I, I feel for them because it's a you know a genuine bond that's a huge in a, in a boy's life. And, you know, if, if a boy can look up to his old man and see him headline WrestleMania or do whatever, what a cool moment for that kid. And what a great dad for being thinking of your son to put to give your kid that moment. I think that's amazing. And and I think in that moment Goldberg went to people's mm-hmm. hearts. And I think in a different way that he had done before, whereas we would have remembered him as a as an ass kicker, suddenly I think he was liked as a man. And I think that's hugely important when you're talking about something like the Hall of Fame, is that I'm never gonna go in, I'm never gonna be the one that sits here and talks about the legitimacy of the Hall of Fame and how come Rock's not in it but Coco Beware is and how come it took so long for Macho Man, blah blah blah. I'm not interested in any of that. Listen, the Hall of Fame is a show. It is not a legitimate Hall of Fame, it's not a legitimate look at the history of a business. It is a show. The reason that Goldberg and the Dudley Boys and Jeff Jarrett and whoever else are gonna be in an event arena in you know, eight days time is so that WWE can sell tickets and so they can run a TV special and they can run it on the network. That is why the Hall of Fame exists. It is to make money. So let's not kid ourselves about that. However, it is also a very, very cool event to remember some people that have done great things and are loved by people. And wrestling fans, generally speaking, are really cool people who love their stars. Wrestling fans are very protective about wrestling in a way that I don't think fans of other entertainment you know, genres are. I'm not sure that fans of movies would turn up to a a, a movie hall of fame and chant, you've still got it at Al <laughs> They would be, they would be hugely you know, wrong, I, by the way, if they did so. Um, <laughs> well, I don't think they'd, I don't think they'd chant one more film at Sylvester Stallone. I would. I totally you know I mean? would. As long as it was Expendables well, okay. or Rocky, then I'd be chanting all the way, sorry, I'm ruining your point, okay, well, but no, go on. No, no, one, no one needs any more Rocky. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> but um fighting words I think that um I think that literally um but I think that um you know what I'm saying so I don't think movie fans or even certain fans of certain sports I'm not sure they care about their heroes like wrestling fans do. no way and I think that's really cool uh, there are always a handful a couple of hundred tossers that turn up at the um hall of fame and shout out things in between and i re- i really really despise those people me too if you're the kind of person that would go to the hall of fame and shout catchphrases and shout one-liners and wolf whistle at the divas and all that kind of thing if you're the kind of person that would do that 
you know what? F off and never come to one of our hot <laughs> parties because you're because you're scum. No, I, I absolutely mean that. I hate those people. It's not about you. Someone has worked their entire life bumping on hard surfaces, creating injuries for themselves, travelling around the world in front of nobody to eventually make something of themselves, and you buy a ticket and you cat call them. Sod off. Honestly, I, I really, really, really hate those people. They're not worthy of anything. Different if you're at a, a, an indie show and you shout something funny or whatever. It's a bit more like being at a live comedy show. I'm not quite so down on people that shout out at wrestling shows. But at the Hall of Fame? No, behave. Anyway, I've, I've, watched, I've, I've watched Hall of Fames before and genuinely had to switch off because I'm getting angry at people just shouting out when I just want to hear the person talk. Um, so anyway, back to my point. The Hall of Fame is not a legitimate thing, but I do think it's a really cool way of celebrating people. And I think that someone like Goldberg... I don't think he's going to tell the most scintillating acceptance speech ever. I don't think we're going to have tons of funny stories about the clique or whatever. But I think you'll get a really heartfelt ten minutes where you think, what a good guy. And what a nice thing that he's able to, you know, point to his son in the crowd and say thank you to the wrestling world. And probably bow out. Yep. You know, that's probably it for Goldberg. There's plenty of other people that go in the Hall of Fame and then make two or three appearances on Raw a year and might pop up on a um, on a panel, on the you know, pre-show panel or do their own podcast or whatever. And that's cool. I love people for that. But I think I think this is it for Goldberg. I don't think you... You may never see him again I, in a wrestling environment. I'm still not convinced we won't see him the very next night in the Hall of Fame. Die uh, Hall of Fame. In the Battle Royal. Oh, well, okay. Well, that, that would be nice as well. I would be happy with that. As long as he didn't I win. think he'd win if he was in it. Okay, well, I don't. I wouldn't want him to win because, you know. Okay, I have already accepted that where I once thought that the Andre the Giant Battle Royal was going to be a nice moment for people to stand out, like a, a Cesaro and a Corbin, and then they gave it to Mojo blinking Rawley last mm. year. Um, so I, I've now accepted that um, it's it's not really worth anything. Um, but I don't want Goldberg to win here. I, I, I don't mind. I'd love Goldberg to be in it, obliterate people, and then he gets eliminated by. Elias. Why do you say that? that well, I'm going to have to say that because that's <laughs> my prediction on the, on the Suns website. But, um, I, you know, he would be... You know, imagine Elias then sitting on Raw the following night and singing a song about how he beat Goldberg. And then Goldberg can run down on Raw and spear him out of his boots. And then that could be Goldberg's last moment was a little cool moment on Raw. There's lots of things you could do with that. But I always think you beat the guy. If you're going out forever, I don't think you should ever win your last match. I always think, well, maybe if you could win it, but you should never go out, you know, like that. You should always put someone over on the way out. And I'd like to see, I'd love to see Goldberg in the battle royal, but I'd like to see him eliminated. No, I'm, I'm, I disagree there, in, in that that's a rule that I think is important um, in putting someone over on your way out, but not, not to the, not to the exception of, you know, not to the. Uh, I can't even speak tonight, can I, Rob? It's not no, it's not the no. be-all and end-all. There can be exceptions to that rule. And I think having a moment with Goldberg at, um, at WrestleMania would be a nice feel-good moment that would trump any any sort of any push or any collateral guys got from winning the Andre the Giant Battle Royal which means very little you know what did it do for Baron Corbin apart from getting him on the main roster what did it do for Mojo Rawley nothing I don't think there's much to be gained from winning that match but I think there's I, I would value a Bill Goldberg triumphant send off much more personally there's a brief sidebar they should do something in that match shouldn't they they should they do totally should. 
the winner, the, the win, the winner should get a, a nice title. Totally, like the you know, well, the, you know, you could go further than that. The winner should get a world title shot at SummerSlam or something like that. I think world, Maybe not I that think much. world title is a bit extreme because basically the 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 battle royal is for everyone, you know, that didn't make it, isn't it? Like, do you know, what I mean, you didn't, you weren't quite good enough this year to get a full roster space. Well, how about this then? But you know, so they're, they're not going to get that guy to have a world title how, shot, are they? So I, I how think about this title. Title shot of your choosing, but not a world. You could want to give it a world title shot, but stipulate that it's on Raw, like maybe a month later or whatever. And then you get, let, let's say, for instance, let's say Elias wins it for argument's sake um, this year. Then he wins the battle royal, which we agree doesn't do a huge amount for him. But then when you get that match with Roman Reigns and he goes 25 minutes and pushes Reigns to the limit, that's what gives him the rub. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll buy that. Okay. Not, but not a bad shout. Um, what about the inductee then? The inductor, well, I beg your pardon. We, we, we slightly mentioned it. That um, have you had time to find your? Yeah, no, I've, your I've, I've had a look and I can't find it. I can't. Find, I, I've had a look through oh, all of them. I, I may we're mistaken. Maybe we hell. didn't do it. Um, but, I'm convinced. Or maybe we just talked about it. I'm convinced we did it because I thought I said to you that um, that Bret Hart would. I said about Bret Hart. I think of Goldberg and Bret Hart's feud. And you said to me, Brett would never do it because he could would consider Goldberg as ending. His maybe career. we just maybe we just what? talked about it then. Maybe we did. I think we I think we did it on the thing because I I think the most obvious one. I pres- I would have thought they would have asked, and he probably said no. Perhaps he's not going to be at WrestleMania or wanted too much of a fee. But to me, I think it should have been why? Steve Austin. That's I've heard because this Steve... before, and that's why I challenge it so quickly. Why? Partly because you've got the association with Austin and Goldberg through the WrestleMania match that obviously went badly wrong but to me Goldberg was the sort of counter Austin while Austin was doing it on 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 Raw on, on WWE on WCW here came this guy who was wearing black um, trunks and had a bald head and had a goatee beard and was battering everybody Don't I don't think that's a coincidence I think if Goldberg had had long blonde hair like, I think if Goldberg had looked like Stunning Steve I don't think Goldberg would have got the no, same push. He would have got a, a, a push, but I think he looked like Steve Austin, and I think that's why they did it. And I would like to have heard Austin talk about that. But my understanding is that Austin and Goldberg are friends. You know, I believe okay. in real life. I believe I they are friends. I don't know so that. I would have just, I would have liked to have seen. I think Austin would have been a good. I think, I think a headline, a headline Hall of Famer deserves a headline in that fully form. agree and by the way and I think Paul Heyman is one so I'm happy with Paul Heyman doing it but you couldn't have had let me say like for example as big a star as he is in his own world Sting would be Sting would be an, a, a choice that you would think as a big WCW guy inducting another big WCW guy but A Sting can't talk B Sting is not a big enough star in WWF's mind and C is there enough of a connection between the two of them other than just the fact they were in WCW and I think you and you you know you know Brock's not going to do it. No. Brock would be a choice from last year, but Brock's not going to do it. And when you actually start thinking about it, there are no really big Goldberg feuds. No, nope. are there? No, that's the thing. Um, the only other person that came into my mind was maybe Flair, but I think Flair's probably been through too much now to expect him to stand there no. for a quarter of an hour talking about Goldberg. Would actually Flair would probably talk. About he would. It would it, my my choice. And again, I don't I don't know anything about the personal relationships or lack thereof. But just in terms of what we as fans see, the most obvious choice to me was Eric Bischoff. Yeah, I thought maybe, but I'm, I, I, I get the feeling that the two of them aren't close. I think that's the point, is that I'm not sure there's a great deal of love between Does, them. I, you might be well be right. I'd actually have no idea, but to me, like the most... I think Eric, I think Eric was... 
you know, fairly outspoken about the fact that they tried to get Goldberg to do certain things and Goldberg didn't really understand. I, I, I don't think they're buddies. Basically. No, no, that's fine. But I think the most, in terms of a story about Goldberg, I think he would have a more interesting story than most, um, simply because you know he created Goldberg the character. Um, that's you know he, he's got a lot to say about him. What's the guy? What's the guy? What's his name? Sarge was that the guy in WCW that was big friends with Goldberg? That be I know he's not a headliner or close to being a headliner. Yeah, Dwayne, Dwayne. Something. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Dwayne Lee. Dwayne Lee. Dwayne. I don't know. No idea. Um, he played the le- he played the leprechaun in WCW. Did he really right? Okay. Yeah. Oh God, he did, didn't he? I remember that now. Um, but yeah, the point is, I think it's an interesting more so than any Hall of Famer I think I've ever seen I just you just think who would induct Goldberg and there is no obvious choice that's the point I was trying to make no there isn't there isn't that's why I wanted to, I'm, I'm I'm so sure we did it in the sheep quiz that's why I was hoping don't think we did I've looked through all the all the quiz results and I can't find it on any of them so we mustn't have done we we must have talked about it then me, yeah. me and you yeah we've, I, I recalled it as well so we must have had we a must have talked about it oh, Dwayne Bruce that's... Dwayne Bruce Dwayne, Dwayne Lee, I'm getting the wrong um, martial artist. I'm thinking of uh, <laughs> Bruce Lee. I got the wrong uh, the wrong name. But uh, um, anyway, oh, so um, should we should we should we move on? Anything else to say about um, uh, anything else to nope. say about uh, Goldberg? Nope. Okay, let's move on then to the uh, the Dudley Boys, those hicks from Dudleyville who turned into New Yorkers. Um, listen, I've got loads and loads and loads of time for the Dudleys. Um, not necessarily in the same way that others would. A lot of the stuff about the Dudleys that people think of, the ECW stuff, I've not got. I've not really got a lot of time for ECW Dudleys. Um, I think that swearing at people and calling them MFers and you know suggesting that they may have various venereal diseases and swearing at them and setting tables on fire and I don't have any time for any of that. You know my thoughts on hardcore wrestling and, and cheap heat I don't go anything on that but what was clear in WCW was that the Dudleys had something in terms of their attitude in terms of their charisma it took them a long time to get going in WWF and it took tables to do it but once they did I think just for their series of matches with Edge and Christian and, and the Hardys alone um, but also just the the fact that they were constantly able to be a team that felt like a team and I'm not sure there's been too many of them over the last decade or so but also they were always able to generate a reaction wherever they were in the world whatever company they were in the Dudley music hit Team 3D Dudley Boys didn't matter reaction yep. and that's that is what I will always say is their biggest thing and I would think if you brought them back in 10 years time when they could hardly move <laughs> reaction you know I always talk about um, lines of succession in wrestling you know I, my off my theory about how the phenom line went from Andre went to Taker and now it's on to Braun Strowman well mm-hmm. I very much see you're wrong uh, by well, the way but yeah carry we'll on. debate that another time but mm-hmm. my uh, my thoughts on the Dudley boys are they they were the the generation they were the team that took over from the Road Warriors essentially um, okay. you know they they were big tough guys who like you say were a team you know they were you know, bar a few exceptions for both of those teams they were together forever um, 
they succeeded everywhere they went and uh, and especially kudos to the Dudley boys I share the same feelings on ECW by the way I'm not a big fan I never lived it at the time didn't really speak to me as, as a person in terms of what I was into and I think you're right I think a lot of what they did is very cheap um, in terms of easily you know who was it we had on that was talking oh, it was Nick Aldis wasn't it who was talking about a different difference between popularity and stardom and I think what ECW used to do absolutely encapsulates that what he was talking about there they were popular that that same crowd who were probably 90% of the same people for every show they went to drinking with them afterwards very easy much easier to get over in front of a crowd like that but in that environment they excelled they came to WWE they excelled you know and, and you only need to look at they overlapped very slightly I believe when they came to WWE with the public enemy a team who had similar success in um, in ECW very similar success actually and they completely flopped in the WWF where the Dudleys hit the ground running um, I, I disagree that they took a little bit of time to get going I thought they were very good from the start they had that good hard hitting feud with the Acolytes which was interesting to see play out on screen and exciting but I think also established them as respected backstage because they went toe to toe with the two toughest guys in the tag team division they adapted they were part of the golden triangle of tag team wrestling the holy trinity whatever you want to call them with Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys in the early 2000s that really made up arguably the best tag team scene in WWF ever um, and they've had longevity they went to TNA after that and they excelled there and they came back to WWE and alright it wasn't amazing um, but it was it was okay it was alright and I, I think like, like I say similar to the Road Warriors they just got over they were tough guys they were proper wrestlers and they just got over everywhere they went Um and I think it's an absolute shoo-in for them to be in the Hall of Fame. Out of all the tag teams out, out there, there aren't many that deserve to be in there more. They, to me, they're tag team wrestling, and it's yep, completely legitimate. One of the best ever. Agreed. Um, as far as people, um, I've, have you ever met people where, maybe as a, a bloke who you know, I shouldn't, be, I shouldn't be sexist about this, but I'm going to say this in this way, there'll be a bloke that you know and everyone likes him and they can't they can't stand his partner but everyone tolerates her because they like him so much right well I've always heard I've always heard that story about the Dudleys is that Bubba Ray is not necessarily the most liked individual by a great many wrestlers but absolutely everybody loves Devon <laughs> I've never heard I've, we've, I've had this discussion with people before that like, who is the wrestler that you've heard the most nice things about you know you, you'll never meet anyone that doesn't like them and I think Devon Dudley is pretty high up on that list of and every time I ever meet anyone talk, I've never met Devon no. well, I've met him very briefly once but like very briefly shaking hands hello I've not met him properly but everyone I've ever known who, who knows him and has worked with him just goes oh what a lovely guy absolute sweetheart you know wonderful ask him about Bubba hmm they're not so complimentary <laughs> all I'll say and I won't, I won't do the stories in, in length because I've done them on the podcast before but I've met Bubba Ray Dudley on two long occasions doing two quite long interviews and I found him an absolute joy yep. um, I thought he was intelligent I thought he was interesting um, I challenged him on stuff that I didn't agree with because I like to think that I'm not one of those you know, keyboard warriors that finds it easy to slag stuff off and then meet someone and goes oh you're really brilliant I challenged him on chair shots to the head and told him I thought he was wrong and he fought his corner and I respected him for that I think he was wrong but that doesn't mean 
I can't respect someone for having their opinion and I re- it's one of my favourite interviews I've ever done and like I said I won't go into any more depth because I've done it before on the podcast but I had huge respect for him from that day and by the way someone that fits that exact same description is uh, is JBL who people have often had bad, bad stories about and he's been nothing but a class act with me so um, I can't fault him either. I think those two fall into a very similar category. I would the say pair of them so. Both think that they're Stan Han- the pair of them both think they're Stan Hansen. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and they've, but they've both made great careers out of them. Battle being a fabulous heel. And I think Bully Ray in TNA Incredible. is one of the great underrated heels. And I say underrated because so few people would have been watching because that was one of the, the more downtime for TNA. Um, and TNA fans often don't really understand quite how few people watched TNA in comparison to um, WWE at that time. But I think if they had let Bubba be Bubba or be Bully when he went, rather than bringing back Devon, do you remember Bubba Ray Dudley came back for the Rumble? That's right, yeah. And in Philly, but it was just him. Yeah. And then like the following year, the Dudleys came back. Had they signed him at that point and let him be Bully Ray? Oh, yep. money heel. Agreed. I cannot believe Vince never went there because to me it would have been a Vince heel as well. I think Vince would have loved it. Yeah. But anyway, a gr- huge missed opportunity. But listen, they've had a great career, and I'm not. I'm, I don't think either of them would be in any way bitter about any missed opportunities and stuff. I think they've had a great time. Um, Bubba does his thing, knocking around some indies, and and now he's doing a podcast. And Devon's in the fold in WWE, and so. You know, happy days. And again, we don't need to do a lot about this, but the uh, the inductees, inductors, I keep getting that wrong. The inductors, perfect. E and C. Yep. Couldn't be anyone better, could it? No, absolutely. Very long association with them. Presumably some sort of relationship backstage and two very entertaining guys. Nope. Perfect. Perfection. Um, Ivory's next on my list. Ivory, also known as Lisa Moretti, a real name. Former WWF Women's Champion, formerly of GLOW. She goes that far back in the... Uh, the women's uh, wrestling heritage. Um, I don't think we can stand here and do 20 minutes on the sparkling career of Ivory, but a very solid, credible mainstay of that division at a time when they needed it. Because I think we'll always talk about the Trish, Lita, Jackie, Molly, Victoria, Jazz sort of era where WWE had a credible women's division. And then before that, you'll look at Alondra Blaze and Bertha Fay and and the influx of the Japanese, like the Aja Kongs and Bald Nakanos. But in between time, there was that complete failure to do anything other than, um, you know, sort of bra and panties matches or or simply no um, division at all. The fact that there was Ivory and probably Tori and Jackie to an extent, who has still been there then, if it wasn't for them and maybe Luna there'd have been sort of no division whatsoever at that point I think Ivory is kind of the bridge into that Trish era of better wrestlers um, I'm not going to be as uh, as verbose as you on this one I think I think I, I think <laughs> stop uh, waffling I think solid is the right word I, it's not an exciting pick um, you've got to if they want to have they, they, they always have sort of these pigeonholes for the Hall of Fame don't they? don't they you've got to have a headliner you've got to have a woman you've got to have a tag team you've got to have an older guy Um and if you're going to have that, then, yep, fine. She fits the bill perfectly. She, yeah, never never massive excitement. Let's face it, the reason she's been picked is because Glow was a bro- breakout success on Netflix, and she was in that. So I don't think we need to think any more of it. 
and because Stacy Keebler still charges too much. So um, once, <laughs> once people have forgotten about her for a couple of years after the uh, the split with George, then uh, they'll be able to get Stacy. So um, yes, well, uh, again, more, more easy inductor. That seems fine. Um, I, like I said, I'm not. We're not. We're not blowing this off. But because um, I, I do think, you know, if we look at the criterion that have gone before, then I think I think Ivory does fit it. But um, yeah, like you say, it's not exciting. But, but um, We'll see. Maybe she's got a good uh, speech up her sleeve. Um, the next on my list is uh, is Double J, um, who we've done, and with with the greatest of respect to the uh, the Warrior Award, I'm not knocking it by any means, but there's not a lot we can do in terms of no, talking but about. But he's that. also, you know, he's, um, his nickname is also JJ. It, it is Double J, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. His, his name his name is Jarius Robertson, but yeah, he's uh, he's known as JJ. So uh, uh, listen, this is a a young man that's a liver transplant survivor, and it's an inspiring story, and I'm not knocking it for a second. It's just it's not an easy subject to chat about and uh, analyse on a podcast, so we'll uh, we'll tip our hats in respect and we'll move on. Um, Hillbilly Jim, um, you said about the uh, there's always an older guy. I know, I know, you said that a bit dismissively, but I knew what yeah, you meant. Yeah, it wasn't meant to be. Um, there was someone from. I, I know it wasn't meant to. That's why I'm sort of clearing it up. But it was. There are often a few more sort of older wrestlers from sort of the territory eras and stuff. He's really the only one this time. Is that a sign of? we've gone through everyone that we need to put in the Hall of Fame or is it a sign that we're getting old and actually Double J is from the old era now whereas we would always look back and go Pat Patterson and Baron Mikel Sucluna are from a, a bygone era but actually they got put into the they got put into the Hall 20 years ago and uh, it's yeah. um, we've moved so I think far you're exa- I think you're absolutely right on both points look Jeff Jarrett made his debut in WWE in the same year the Hall of Fame did Um so you know it's 25 years ago what I will say is that I couldn't believe that Hillbilly Jim wasn't already in there yeah he seemed, I just assumed he was he seemed like an absolute lock you know company man big star for a short time you know he was you know he was like the uh, the Brutus the Barber beefcake before he came along he was Hogan's or oh, Shucks number two wasn't he as the baby face Hogan's had a lot of them he's had a lot of yeah. bodies Ty- Typhoon Typhoon there was you go, Hogan exactly. Body. he's had a and then they yeah. relegated Macho Man Randy Savage to that role in WCW. But I digress. Um, and if you want to hear more of Paul's opinions on that situation, listen to the <laughs> Because WCW podcast with Liam Happ and Nat Dean. They might ask me back. Um, and then no, I you know it's it's an again it's a very obvious choice. He has been an ambassador for the company for a, you know, over a decade, well well over a decade. Deserves this honour. Yeah, great. Who's inducted? Who's got... Ah, this is it. This is the, the next on my list, it says TBA. Ooh. I, th- I don't know who this TBA bloke is, but he's, he's inducting four people. Is so he? Is he? Um, all right, yeah. well, let's have some fun with this then. Um, Henry Godwin, no. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I, I don't really know who would induct him. Um, how about Howard Finkel? Yeah, Jeez, I thought that, like actually. That. Uh, no, yeah, sorry. That's who I thought. Mean Gene is who I thought. Um, because was am I right in saying that me, was Mean Gene in Legends House? Yes. Right. See, I think they will look at Hillbilly Jim and think to a modern audience they would know him from Legends House. So who was in Legends, Legends House? House? Well, no, but I'm not, I didn't say that. I, you didn't <laughs> listen to me. I didn't say people watch Legends House. I said they will associate gotcha. him with. Gotcha. People. 
the being in Legends House. So if Mean Gene, I think Mean Gene is a good shout for it. Um, who else was in that? Pat Patterson? No, he's not really associated with the same era, is he? No, but he was in Legends House. No, I'm I know. Just, I'm just Jimmy, saying, I'm Jimmy just Hart. Throwing... Jimmy Hart, maybe. Um, what's um? What, I don't know. What, I'm not really a big hillbilly Jim guy. What other territories were he in? Was he in before coming Could, to? Uh... Couldn't tell you. I don't know. I don't know much about the guy at all. No, I don't know either. I just know him as a sort of WWF. He feels, he feels like a w, feels like a WWF lifer to me. Does he not you? Yeah, I'm not sure he was known as a. I don't. I'm not sure he was a big territory guy. I think he's just always been a. Uh... Do you know what? No, I can't say it. I can't say. It. I was going to say maybe, maybe that's what Hogan does, but I think um, I don't want to see Hogan back. Ah. And if he does, I don't think he's going to come back to in, in all great. No. Not in all great, but in ducks. Hillbilly Jim. I honestly can't think of anyone else. Just just um, looking at his Wikipedia page, by the way. Apart from a few years, well, apart from the first, he, he bounced around for the first eight or nine years of his career while he was coming up, and then it was WWE for life. Then WWF for life. So, uh, who did he wrestle? Who's he wrestled at Mania? Uh, he was he was in he, the, he was in a six-man tag with um, King Kong Bundy and the Midgets. Oh, Okay, he was in a gimmick battle, battle oh. royal. Yeah, but Bundy, you know, like, why would you? Well, who's heard of King Kong Bundy be, for a while? That would be. But by the way, Bundy can talk. Can he? Oh yeah, Bundy's. Have you ever seen? Right, have you ever seen the TV show Married yep. to Children? What's the name of the family? Yeah, it's the Bundy that? family, isn't it? That's and, and they named the family. That's after right. King I did Kong know Bundy. that. Yeah. And and he's been in several. He was in several episodes. He was actually not a bad okay. actor. Bundy can talk I mean I don't know what it's like these I haven't seen him for, for more than a decade but if Bundy was anything like res- resembling the Bundy of a- Bundy was pretty much like the Big Show they talk about Big Show being like Andre oh, Big Show is basically just a slightly better Bundy true that's m- more of well, a comparison point and by the way Bun- by the way, Bundy should be in the Hall oh, of Fame oh I agree he's really. I agree he's not uh, as a res- Wrestlemania headliners you're in the Hall of Fame for yeah me. absolutely agree with that he's um, by the way he was the only two of the Wrestlemanias he wrestled out were Wrestlemania 2 in the Battle Royal and Wrestlemania 17 in the Battle Royal ok so, well there's nothing really there so he's been in there with football players midgets and oldies in that case I would look to someone that's roughly of that era that can talk that's already in the Hall that's got some cachet so I'm going to say Duggan that wouldn't be a bad call. Or DiBiase. I think Duggan or Mean Gene are the calls. Duggan is a shout because Hillbilly Jim's not really a serious yeah, character. Yeah. And I think Duggan would be quite entertaining. Um, you know, if you listen back to uh, the, an early part of this series of uh, of the show, then you'll hear um, you'll hear my interview with, with um, Hacksaw, who was uh, a terrific chap and a good fun interview. <laughs> and if you've seen Hacksaw's um, Hall of Fame induction ceremony sure. and you'll tell you'll know that he told some of the same stories <laughs> on the podcast as he did nice. on that show and I get the feeling he does a lot of nights but he was a lovely fella I think Duggan fits the bill I think Duggan would be yeah I think, I think that's a good call let's move on uh, only uh, well do you want to do Kid nope. Rock no? don't agree with Kid Rock okay. at all but we won't talk about that um, if there's going to be a um, if there's going to be a celebrity one I I I think there's been worse. Yep, there's been a lot worse in terms of relevance. Don't like the guy. Don't like his politics. Don't like his attitude. Um, yeah, can't really say. I don't want to say any more than that. Okay, fair enough. I, I don't know anything about him, so I'll um, 
I, I mean, I know who he is, and I know a couple of his records, and I don't find them terrible, but I don't know about his politics, and that's not particularly the uh, the subjects we want to get nope. to on this podcast. So, uh, move on, and we end we end with a nice one, I think, and someone else I think is by almost sheer longevity turned people oh, down. But yes. For 10, 12, maybe even 15 years, Mark Henry was synonymous with, oh God, not Mark Henry. The boring matches, the unbelievable facial expressions, the just endless pushes of a strong guy that no one wanted to see. But somehow in the last maybe six to eight years, Mark Henry's kind of become a bit of a beloved figure. And, I, and I'm not knocking that by any stretch. He's another one that most people I hear about in real life say Mark Henry is a lovely mm-hmm. fan. Yep. Um, I know a lot of people that are very, very good friends with Mark Henry and say he's a terrific man. Um, and I have no reason to disbelieve that. But I think it is astonishing how someone who, I would say literally for more than a decade, wrestling fans went, oh God, not him, is now a legitimate, accepted and deserving Hall of Famer. I fully agree. I think um, it made me really smile when I saw this one. It was unexpected. Um, and I think, you know, because he's known as such a decent guy and he, he worked so hard, didn't he? You know, he could have easily quit. He had that 10-year contract when he came in in 96 and he could have quit. I'm sure there was pressure on him to quit because it was a big contract. He wasn't fulfilling his potential. He stuck out. And I would say it was around that time that contract expired, actually. In about 2006 was the first time I took him seriously. You remember when he came back after a long time away and he was wearing... He changed his hairstyle. He'd grown the dreads. He was wearing a blue outfit. He was basically Molina's hired gun against Batista. Basically Eminem's muscle. Um, Eminem the tag team rather than Eminem the rapper, um, yeah, obviously. Yeah. And he was badass he was badass unfortunately got injured quite quickly into that run but straight away you're like oh okay that's pretty that's a different Mark Henry and then you didn't see that again for a long time until 2011 when uh, he opened his very own Hall of Pain that's that it. That's was exactly the, that was, was the time and he, I remember the moment he was at six man tag on Smackdown where he turned on Randy Orton and that was when it happened and from then on he had that great run um as, as champion you know who would have thought that Mark Henry brilliant world heavyweight champion and he was he was genuinely brilliant um, and then he did that do you remember that promo where he retired uh, well, okay, let, let's, let's get okay. to that let's get to that I think that's, that, yeah, that's okay, separate fine. And so, I, want, I, want, I want to talk about the, uh, the, the, the genesis of the Mark Henry that, that's become someone that, that people can respect I think you're absolutely right the hall of pain thing is exactly the phrase that I was that's thinking it. of um, and the very fact that we're thinking of that, it shows that it was a smart thing. It got over. Um, it shows the the value of the catchphrase, um, which I'm, yeah, I'm certainly not knocking. I think it's an important um, thing to acknowledge. Um, but I think of just before that, when he was tagging with MVP, and it's not a very British reference, but he was getting referred to as the Kool-Aid guy. And I think people in this country would probably know the Kool-Aid man from Family Guy, but the ad, you know, the advert with the Kool Aid um, jar jug, sort of like burst through a wall, sort of thing. Oh yeah, and that was what they were saying about Mark Henry because he was dressed all in red with a silly grin on his face. And you know, I think that has been Mark Henry was either if he was a heel, he went, and if he was a baby face, he went, hey, and he smiled. Yeah. And it was the most black and white, you know, old school, didn't work in the modern era, no thought, no subtlety you know, way of doing things. 
but when he did the like you say, when he did the Hall of Pain, suddenly he could talk and he had that little bit more of an attitude, and you went, oh hello, yeah. and he was a deserving world champion, heel world champion, and I can remember there being people, you know, because there are always people that watch wrestling for a bit and then fall. Out. I bet every single person listening to this, at some point in their life has had a year or two where they stopped watching wrestling. Maybe they're doing it now. Maybe they're not watching wrestling right now, but they enjoy listening to podcasts and they enjoy coming to our pay-per-view parties and that's the only two or three shows they watch a year. Maybe they had it a couple of years ago. Maybe they had it five years ago. Maybe they had it ten years ago, but I bet at some point in everyone's life, whether they, whether it's because they got a certain job or whether it's because they got a certain girlfriend or it's because they were doing something at school or whatever it was, I bet there's been a point in your life where you've gone, I'll give it a miss for a little bit but something always brings you back but anyway there were people a lot of people I think that stopped watching the shows but would keep on following online to find out what was happening reading um, quote unquote dirt sheets and, and whatever and I want to say that the uh, the Hall of Pain stuff started not long after I got onto Twitter and I was a bit of a reluctant tw- tweeter to start with but I remember being on Twitter and very active in wrestling terms um, and people would often go cool no, I've made the right decision not watching wrestling anymore. Mark Henry's the champion. Mm. That shows how far they've fallen. Mark Henry's the champion. And you sort of wanted to go, but the Mark Henry that you knew, that's not Mark Henry anymore. You know, he's improved beyond belief. You know, he would have believable wrestling matches, certainly believable promos. Listen, I don't think there's ever been a... You know, if we want to go down the star system, I'm not sure there's ever been more than a three-star Mark Henry match. But sometimes people aren't always there for that. Sometimes there's a different story to be told. And certainly on the microphone and looking intimidating, he turned it up. I don't think there's ever been anyone that's had, you know, the best part of 15 years of being ordinary. And then suddenly, bang. Yep. Uh, Totally right. I think he's... Like I say, just an just an absolute poster boy for sticking with it, trying hard, never losing the faith. And you know, if you, if he's as good a guy as people say, then good things happen to good people. Good point. Continue your point from before. You, you it was certainly in my mind. I'm sure it's in everyone else. <laughs> Not so much a point, more um, of a reference to you know probably the most memorable moment of his career. You know, people can even remember the colour of his damn jacket he was wearing when he, when he did the program. And by the way, he has to wear that on stage. Uh, yeah, by no, no, he comes out dressed ordinarily, and then go. He either does his speech and then puts Definitely. the jacket on at the end, yep. or he starts the speech and then goes, "Someone don't feel yeah. right," and then he goes off stage and comes back. With Can the you jacket. imagine the, the that salmon jacket, jacket is over. The salmon jacket chat is good. Salmon jacket. <laughs> I'll forgive them that one. I will forgive the the. the the divs in the audience, the salmon jacket reference. Chance. No, 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 no. There's nothing wrong with chance. There's, uh. Chance are fine. Chance in their right aspect of, as long as it's not hideous and all over the place. Like I remember those fans chanting Austin Hogan at Hogan, and I would have chanted along with them. Do you know what I mean? That was a at that moment in time I wanted to see Austin Hogan. It would have been a really cool thing. So I'm okay with that. It's when someone's trying to deliver a story and someone shows, but no, that was, you know, what a what a great moment that was. You know, he came out and put out a really heartfelt retirement speech. He was a heel at the time, remember? He put out this speech that we all bought. We all bought. So, oh, what a great guy! He's been a great career, and then boom, takes out John Cena. I got more gas. And you know what? Or something like that, wherever he said it was. And you know what? We all saw it. No, that's the point. That's not true. Oh, well, I did. 
I absolutely saw it coming, but still I loved it. That's not by any stretch a, 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 a moan about it. I totally well, saw it I coming. I think you're in the minority, and I think that's why people love it so, because they bought it. Well, maybe so. Maybe they didn't see it coming. Maybe they saw it coming to begin with, and then he talked them out of it, and then yeah, they maybe. It. But I, I just remember watching that going, he's going to kill Cena here. And he did it again, but it's but it was still magnificent because sometimes people go, "Oh, that was so obvious." I, I I utterly loved it. It was a genius piece of writing, and a wonderful performance. Oh yeah, because he did because he did go from being the snarling heel one week to the smiling baby face the next, but sucked everyone in, and it was a damn entertaining promo. In fact, that's the first thing I'm going to do when we stop this record. I'm going to go and watch it again because I haven't watched it for years, but it was a hugely entertaining promo. And then, bang. And that was really at the height of the 50-50 Cena stuff as well, it wasn't was. it? It really was. So there would, that would have been... Everyone that liked Cena would have despised Henry for yep. that. And everyone that wasn't sure about Henry previously but didn't like Cena would have loved Henry for it. And it was, a, it was really cool. Talk about getting to make sure you care about someone. That was uh, extremely cool. But what a great point. Imagine if he'd have done that dressed in his wrestling gear. Yeah, oh, diff- well, would no, we, it's a different. Would we still have talked about it in the same? No, because manner? it would have been far more terrible. Wouldn't it? Literally, would not have been as good a promo and a good a segment. It, it, it's a small detail, but it's an important one in this case. It's hugely important. And let, let's have a look at some of the, you know, the the Hall of Famers that we've talked about all the way through. I think the Dudleys will probably either a put the glasses on, or b get a table. Yep during their speech Jeff and the roadie are going to have to sing with my baby tonight Mark is going to wear his jacket isn't it funny how there are little things there are little uh, mannerisms or objects or or whatever that that wrestlers have and it just you have to have those little things like you can't imagine Cornette doing anything without having the the tennis racket you're right you're absolutely right it's little things little things like that um, okay, so who inducts Mark? Who inducts Mark? Um, well, the and, and do you know what I think? I think there might be sneaky suspicion that the reason they haven't announced it. I might be all wrong on this, but um, the reason they haven't announced it yet because it's quite a blockbuster. I think it might be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, I thought you thought of that. Yeah, he won the. They're Arnold very Cutsy, pally. They're very good friends. Ah, that's a good shout. See, I was thinking, I was thinking Lawler. Okay. Because it was someone that I think, I think Jerry introduced him, did he not, way he back did, when? He did, and, yeah. Um, it was his first feud on TV, but I believe even in real life, I think it was Lawler that brought him into the fold. So um, I was thinking Jerry, but oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, my that was be, that would be the superstar, the blockbuster one. But I, if if it was based on the wrestling fraternity, I think I would actually go with Godfather. Oh yeah, they're like good that. friends. He can talk. Yeah. Um, God, or may, or maybe Teddy Long, but I'd say Godfather would be a better shout. Godfather would be a better shout. Um, I, again, I'm going with the whole idea that I kind of feel like the level of the inductor should be near the level of the inductee because it's you're you're finding a place on the yeah. card. So if Hacksaw Jim, sorry, if Hillbilly Jim is a sort of big guy comedy figure from the 80s then that's kind of where Duggan yeah. fits and you know Road Dog would probably be considered on a similar sort of level Road Dog's probably a slightly bigger star than Jeff actually mm. 
in its totality because of his place in the yeah, Outlaws. Maybe. The outlaw, have the Outlaws have the Outlaws gone in? Yes. They must yes, have. They, they have. They yeah. must have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Road Dog would be slightly higher on the totem pole than Jeff, but not by much. I think um, they went in as part of DX. Sorry to interrupt. I think they went in as, as DX. Oh really? Mm. Okay. Um, and if you do, uh, if you look at Ivory now, if you'd have done say Trish or Lita to induct Ivory, then I think the person doing the inducting is too big a star. I know what you mean. You I know exactly you, what you mean. You want, you should, you should want to hear what the the inductor is saying, but really want to hear what the inductee is saying. Whereas actually the crowd would probably rather hear from yep, Trish. Yeah, agreed. And then go, oh, it's Lita. That's oh, oh, it's Ivory. No, I'm not. That's no, no, no disrespect meant. But to it's Ivory. fair. But that's kind of how you need. So in the same way that it drives me crazy when you have an interviewer backstage who's taller than the wrestler. Um, you know, I think you, you need to build it to a point where, you know, the the person that you've allegedly paid to see is more important than the person that's building them up. Yep. So it can't it can't always work, but. I think um, I think they've done quite a good job thus far, and if they uh, if they add in our suggestions, then I think uh, I think it'll all work well. Right, um, we've gone a bit longer than I thought on uh, on Hall of Fame, which that's that's okay because that was the one I wanted to talk longer about. But um, I want to talk a little bit about NXT. Um, the NXT Takeover, uh, I think probably the second one they've done from New Orleans because there have been a WrestleMania there before. Ooh, was, did the, um, I believe I don't think they did one for WrestleMania 30, Joe. I could be wrong, but I didn't have. I think the network was only a few months old by the time 30 came on and they hadn't got in that groove of doing them before pay-per-views yet I think the first one they did before a pay-per-view was in Brooklyn the year after could be wrong but I don't. I think this might be the first New Orleans one ok we, we, I, I beg to differ but, um, well, while you talk I'll look I'm it looking. up oh I was going to say the opposite I was going to say this is the point where you get to do the, uh, uh, the long promo <laughs> and I'll uh, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll start. I'll, I'll, Thank you very well, much. But first of all, let's say, let's just, in case anyone is reaching for the pause button, I'm just going to say we are going to completely ignore the situation with the tag team title because we know there's a, another um, another show before the um, before the takeover show. It's the final of the of the uh, Dusty Classic. It's the Undisputed Era. Um, it's not, sorry, they're the champions. It's the Authors of Pain against Roderick Strong and Pete Dunne um, to decide who faces the Undisputed Era at TakeOver. So we're going to ignore that because there's no real way of talking about it without giving any spoilers. So let's pretend that match isn't happening for now. Um, it's a great card, as we come to expect with uh, with TakeOvers. Um, five matches, four that we're going to talk about. Every single one of them potentially a blockbuster or has very serious interest we'll start with the only one that's not a title match but yet maybe and probably is the main event in a lot of people's eyes um, Johnny Gargano against Tommaso Ciampa in an unsanctioned match if Gargano wins he gets reinstated to NXT if Ciampa wins Gargano is banned forever Rob have you been have you been keeping up with NXT on a weekly basis at the moment um, not, not really um, and I, I know what's happening I'm not a big um, watcher of the show um, but that is purely down to my um, the time I have in a week. Okay. Um, it's not uh, a reflection on NXT. I enjoy NXT. I like the simplicity of the show, and I mean that as a, I mean that as a compliment. Yep. Although what I do feel, if it's a weakness, um, and I don't think it is because I don't think it's really designed to be um, that sort of weekly show like Raw necessarily. 
if it does have a weakness, um, I sort of feel that nothing really generally happens on an NXT show uh, that precludes me from catching up uh, when the pay-per-view comes around. So therefore, what I'm saying is that when uh, NXT um, New Orleans, which by the way is the first NXT takeover to have taken place in New Orleans. Hey. Um, did I mention that before? <laughs> um, <laughs> I may not have. By the way, it is the 20th. Did you know that? It's the 20th okay. takeover. Okay. A lot more than I, uh, lot more than I thought. Um, but uh, no, there hasn't been one in uh, New Orleans before. Um, in fact, in fact, quick pop quiz. Where, name me the uh, the two venues where they have had the most NXT takeovers. There've been nineteen. Well, where one, they, where one of them's the, the Barclays Center, which is where? Which, which in Brooklyn, city? Brooklyn, New York. Correct. How many? How many? Three. Yep. Correct. Um, and I would suggest. So there's another one. That, what is the other one? Had three as well. It's had one, two, seven. It's got to be full sale. Yeah, full sale. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, from what I can tell, the only place that's had more than one is uh, is Brooklyn, and it's had three. Yeah. yeah. Which is quite interesting. They've managed to skirt around other places, but they've been back to Brooklyn it's, three times, because obviously they've always done it. Because they do for summer. They've had the same place for the summer stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, the, uh, they've already got a few more in the book. So you've got... Um, Chicago for uh, June, Barclays Center for Brooklyn again in uh, August, LA for November, Phoenix for January, and Brooklyn again for uh, for the following April because they're going back there for WrestleMania. So by this time next year, they'll have done five. They will. I would not be massively shocked if that Brooklyn one got, uh, for WrestleMania got moved to Madison Square Garden. That would that would massage Triple H's ego somewhat, wouldn't you think? And I NXT, say that, I say that a good I say that as a as a positive. Can you imagine bringing back the old Madison Square Garden entrance for a TNA for an NXT show? Oh, sweet! At the top of the uh, yep, the top yep. of the screen. Yeah. Anyway. So anyway, anyway, back uh, back to you asked me whether I yes, watch it full time. No, I don't. You, um, you, but I do I do find that I can catch up relatively quickly um, as a bigger show approaches um, because it's because it's quite a simple formula yes, for how they yes. build stuff. And again, not not a, not a criticism. No, I take um, your point. I, pre- I approve of the, uh, the I builds. take your point I don't watch every episode but um, for a sake of 55 minutes a week I would probably suggest to anyone that they should if you're going to if you're going to make time for wrestling it's probably the most interesting wrestling you can watch because it's so simple straightforward entertaining no scratching your head it's just a great show um, but yeah on to Gar- so I'll talk a little bit about Gar- Garno Champa obviously these guys broke up was it around SummerSlam Survivor Series last year wasn't it when they did the breakup angle I believe um, and then it was immediately hampered by Ciampa's injury um, that could have put a huge spanner in the works on it but instead just built the damn thing and this is this is so typical of NXT so instead of just letting it fizzle and dart and forgetting about it for 6-7 months they had Gargano his whole character became he was haunted by the breakup you know there was guys um, when Selena Vega threw the uh, through the DIY shirt in his face and it put him off and it became a, an aspect of his character that he was so mentally scarred by what had happened that he became a shell of his former self and he had to build himself back up losses wins and just as he got there back, back comes Tommaso Ciampa to screw with him once again um, yeah sorry I had to correct, 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 correct. Careful, but, careful. Um, the point is 
this has been built exceptionally and they, and they worked around a serious problem um, these two are exceptional in their roles Champa's already proving a massively effective heel Gargano is the most sympathetic baby face in WWE that isn't called Daniel Bryan um, and it's going to be this is going to be such a match it's going to be you know you, you we all love it when there's a, a technical classic that, that, that has got great wrestling in it that's only bettered well, actually, that's, I, I, my preference is when you've got passion and when you've got a reason for these guys to fight and these guys are going to come at each other with some real heat back that up with great wrestling I've got massive expectations for this match to the point where it wouldn't shock me if it's the best match of Wrestlemania weekend ahead of Styles and Nakamura wow well that's a big big statement but uh, it's one that maybe they'll be able to back up I have three observations uh, one is that you use the word hamper very close to the word chiampa. <laughs> okay. Uh, and it made me think that it could be the new uh, don't hinder gender. Could be don't hamper chiampa. Um, I rather like the idea of that. Um, the second point is I hate unsanctioned matches. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. If it's unsanctioned, don't put it on your television show. If you do not believe in something that you, you should sanction it as an organisation, you don't screen it, do you? It happens in a car park. It doesn't happen on a, on, in a ring with your lights on it with the music going. Anyway, no, that, you're right, silliness you're right. aside, that silliness aside... Um, oh, actually, four points, because the third one is... I'm not crazy about you're fired. Oh, no, wait, you're not fired. If you win this match, you're not yeah. fired. Especially when they're doing it with Kevin Owens and Sammy I Zane. think if you watch uh, broadly I agree with you but I think if you watch NXT this week which you really should they they explain it relatively well basically Regal Regal meets Champa in the car park at the start of the show and the fans are heckling Champa and Regal's like you've got to get, to get used to this mate the spectre of Gargano is going to be hanging over you and he, Regal basically offers him the chance he says if you want you can get rid of him forever by taking this match but if you lose he's back he's got his job back so it was I agree with you in general but it was a very good way around it okay um, I don't have an issue with the actual booking it's more the fact that they're doing it twice on the same yeah day. yeah I understand I, I know it, I know it's not the same storyline but they are doing it they with, are um, they're doing it with uh, Owens yeah. and Zayn so it's annoying um, okay my final point is that I uh, what we have what we don't always do when we're coming into uh uh, into these shows necessarily is do predictions um, we often just talk about what we think of the match uh, but I was talking to everyone last week um, if you heard the podcast with the, the four different hosts um, I was often talking about the match mainly and building up to it and whether they're excited for it and picking a winner was almost secondary mm-hmm. um, I think I want to make it quite important in this one because if I'm doing this I have Tommaso Ciampa win this match you could well be right without a shadow of a doubt okay I have Tommaso Ciampa to win this match because here's the thing this will surprise some people because I'm about to praise someone I don't think I've ever praised before although I think he does fall into that category of everyone seems to like him but I have never ever ever got Tommy Dreamer I would I would agree with you there I don't think he's any good I don't think he's got any Charisma. I don't think he's a very good wrestler. I, don't, I just, I have, I, I just can't rate him. I've never, ever enjoyed. By the way, stuff. you know who we've got as our guest I'll next get... week? Well, 
you should convince me right. <laughs> Actually, no, no, do you know, do you know uh, what? I, no, I would have no problem facing up to that. It's not a problem. I assume he didn't listen to the one-sided ring when I used to do a, sh- a little skit called Tommy Dreamer Does Something Ordinary, <laughs> in which I used to have Tommy Tommy Dreamer bleeding and crying and everything. Um, but um, listen, I've always heard he's a terrific chap, so I'm not knocking him as a human being. I'm just saying that I've never found him interesting. But what I will say about Tommy Dreamer, and this is really down to Paul Heyman, is that I love the idea that Tommy Dreamer could not beat Raven. And they kept going there, and they kept going there, and they had other people involved, and different gimmicks, and different times, and they did the tag team thing, but Dreamer couldn't beat Raven. And they got there eventually, but it took years and years and years. I like the idea of recreating that with Gargano can't beat Ciampa. And he can beat everyone else, but he can't beat Ciampa. And I'd have Ciampa win this. Probably, I wouldn't have him win 100% clean, such as you can do in an unsanctioned match. But I'd have him be a complete bastard during the match and get in Gargano's head and beat him. Because here's the thing. In NXT, you can do the you're fired gimmick. Because if you're gone forever from NXT, it just means you're going to get called up to the main roster. So I would have Gargano lose this match to Champa, disappear. I wouldn't have him debut the night after Mania. I'd have him disappear for a month or so, and then perhaps whoever the new SmackDown GM is, um, you know, we do a SmackDown GM announcement, and then it's they say, oh, I've made a you know a big signing. Here's Johnny Gargano, or maybe it's the last thing that Daniel Bryan does as a sort mm-hmm. of little mini yeah. nod to passing the torch. I've you know retired as general manager, but here's one last thing I've done to sign for SmackDown, ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Gargano, and he's been signed for NXT, and so Gargano is then introduced to the audience, and Gargano goes on a series of matches where he wins, he stays unbeaten for three, four months, he then gets a what titles on SmackDown, the US yep. title, yeah, he then gets a US title shot, and you know against in a long match he's doing brilliantly, and he hits his finisher. And he's about to win the US title, and Tommaso Ciampa stops it. I like that a lot. I like it and an then awful you bring lot. Ch- and then you bring Ciampa to SmackDown, and you can do it all again in front of a bigger audience, because no one's going to get bored of watching those two wrestle. And just, it'll eventually, maybe at WrestleMania 36, Johnny Gargano beats Tommaso Ciampa. Uh and I mean that, and I, and I, no, I don't mean 35. I mean 36. I like it. I, I like it. Obviously, that means that WWE would have to invest in those guys for two plus years. It's unlikely, but mate, you, you bang on. That would be a great story to tell. Brilliant. Yeah, awesome. And they wouldn't have a two-year feud. No, I understand that. They'd, they'd, yeah. They would have a six-month feud, and then they'd go their separate ways, and they'd do their own thing, and ever, and then Champa would eliminate Gargano from the Rumble. Yeah. And then they'd have their own thing, and then Gargano would eliminate. So Champa would eliminate Gargano from the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, and then he would beat him in a King of the Ring qualifier, or do you know whatever? Do yeah, you know what I, mean? I just, get it. He would just keep. Or he would be on. They would be on opposite Survivor Series teams, and Champa would win that, and then eventually he'd get him and he'd beat him at Mania. It would be just a wonder. It would be a wonderful. Yeah, I think it'd be awesome. I think it'd be really great. I, I can't really build on it because I completely agree with you. Fair dues. Okay, who would you have induct Johnny Gargano in the world? <laughs> um, Tommaso Ciampa. Brilliant. Eric Young. Next. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, right, what do we go to next? Let me see. I've come off my screen. Okay, let's go to the... Right, let's start from level of interest from there on in. Um, the next one, I mean, the least interesting match to me is... And it's, it's the Women's Championship match. I think it's the least interesting because I think it's the most obvious. It's Ember Moon against um, Shania Basler. Um... I think it's a, a bit of a layup. I think Basler takes the title and then Moon goes off to the main roster. Not much more to say. I think it's Basler wins and she goes to the main roster. Well, I don't think so. I don't think that's going to happen. Where would you put her? Uh, right alongside Ronda Rousey. What, as a heel? Yep. Eh, I can't see it myself. Yep, absolute, absolutely. Maybe in time. I'd, do you know what? I'd have Basler win. I'd have her win the Battle Royal at Mania. Um, I'd have a, I'd have a win the world, I'd have a win the NXT title, I'd have a win the battle royal at Mania, and I'd have a turn up at um, Raw on Monday night in behind Ronda Rousey. Well, fair enough, fair enough. I, uh, I don't because I think they're going to start booing Rousey, and I think she needs a crew. I think she needs, she's not going to, it's not going to work. Her cutting terrible promos on her own. I think she needs a little bit of a crew, and. I think Baszler is established. I think she's proved that she can wrestle a credible match. And I think Ronda's first women's matches has been something along the lines of, um, say, Nia Jackson's Name Me Another Babyface on Raw against Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler would be quite... Well, oh, Ember Moon. Call Ember Moon up. So you do Ember, Ember Moon and Nia Jax versus Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey. Um, well, yeah, mate, I, I think you're right that Rousey needs a crew. I don't think, I just don't think it's going to be this soon. And they do need, uh, they do need something that lasts a while to keep Rousey away from Asuka until Mania 35. So the four horsewomen versus four horsewomen battle would pretty much cover that. that that's always been talked about, hasn't it? But I, li I really like Baszler. I just think she's really good. And um, I don't think, again, we're going back to the Mark Henry thing. I don't think she's wrestling five star classics, but I think she looks tough. Oh yeah. I think she looks badass and she looks like she can hurt you. Um, and I, listen, I really rate Ember Moon as well, so I would I would have the both of them called up. I know it might be to the detriment of the uh, um, the women's title in uh, NXT, but hold it up and do a tournament and um, have Kari Sane win and then do the, and do the, or do the Bailey thing. Just because I really like just sign Tony Storm and I've done with it, guys. Well, there, there is that as well, but I I really rate Kari Sane. Agreed. And, um, I'd like to see her as the, you know, the a real babyface hero in uh, in NXT. I think they could do a a, a, a super job. Agreed. There. Anyway, moving on. Um, let's go now to the um, the newest addition to the uh, to the NXT trophy cabinet. Let's go for the ladder match between Adam Cole, EC3, Killian Dane, Lars Sullivan, Ricochet, and the Velveteen Dream for the first ever so to decide the first ever NXT North American champion what's your thoughts on this Rob what an absolutely bonkers for <laughs> kidding me amazing seriously it is bonkers and I mean that in a wonderful way look at every individual they are so yep. different Adam Cole the traditional slightly undersized vaguely technical slightly high flying ring of honour he is a ring of honour you know you know when they always do they always do that thing that um, Corey Graves is now doing what JBL used to do and he says if you built a professional wrestler from the ground up it would be Randy Orton yes 
That's what yes. they say, don't they? Well, Randy Orton is your WWE product, isn't he? If you were building from scratch from WWE's Correct. way of looking things, you get Randy Orton. And I think if you were doing one from Ring of Honor's specifications, I think you get Adam Cole. I think it's very close to what Ring of Honor would produce for yep. you. Um, not a criticism, absolutely a praiseworthy thing. So there's Adam Cole. Then there's Ricochet. Ricochet is your next level up, known for his flips and flops and flies. Um, you know, so he's your Chikara, you know, sort of um, PWG. I might be wrong. No, about no, that. you're People you're you're on before, the right track anyway. He he he's that level of indie promotion. You know, go out and do all the athletic moves. Flippy dippy do. And whatever. Yeah. Well, okay, but he's come in. And by the way, I'm surprised they've called him Ricochet. They do that. They do that now. They 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 keep I, their indie names to keep their indie cred. But I don't like I don't like I don't like Ricochet. I think it's a bit silly. No one's ever going to win the. I I always look at it and say, I know not everyone is going to win the world title, but I kind of feel like you should have a name that makes you one day if if the right thing went for you. And I've always thought it's held back Dolph Ziggler. I've always thought Dolph Ziggler is a comedy name. And Dolph Ziggler can't really win the world title. I'm not saying I can think of a better name, but I'm just saying that John Cena happens to be called John Cena, and the only reason you like the name John Cena is because you've heard it so many times. But, you know, someone whose real name is John Cena or Bret Hart or Ric Flair, I know it's not called Ric Flair, it's called Richard Flair, but it's near enough. Do you know what I mean? Someone that's just got a name, you know, sometimes gets you to the point where you go, okay, fair enough, that's a world champion. Dolph Ziggler is not a world champion and neither is Ricochet doesn't unless they right. give him the Irish gimmick and call him Ricochet again it's a fair point but the fact is that is his name that's the name he chose on the indies or someone chose for him and I feel like they're kind of that. that's where they are if they want to keep that fair indie thing. stuff then they keep his yeah. name it's a secondary point so anyway you've got the Ring of Honor guy and then you've got the other indie guy which is a, fl- you know, a flip and a flop then you've got Killian Day. Oh yeah. The modern beard, but also that sort of rugged, big man that can move. You know, sort of, you know, off the wall sanity gimmick. Basically, you you got the the nutty. I'll call him a big guy. He's not that no, tall. No, but he's but he's, he's imposing. Pr- pretty darn, pretty darn broad, but has got that sort of runaway train, big guy aspect to him. So not the the big tall no. lumbering guy, but the sort of the. Uh, the smaller powerhouse, like a rhino. He's a juggernaut, isn't he? He's a juggernaut. Juggernaut. Okay, there you are, right? Okay, so there's there's three different people. How has that never been? Has then that ever been he... used as a nickname in wrestling? Juggernaut. Must How? Have been. I can't think of anybody. Must have been. I bet we can find one. That's what you can do while I'm doing my <laughs> 27 minutes talking about this match. Um, EC3. Um, you know, Derek Bateman didn't work. Off to TNA found a personality found a gimmick again I'm staggered they called him EC3 um, have they explained why he's called EC3 no no of course not he's just EC3 no just, it's just EC3 I'm sorry it blows my and I'm glad they've not called him Derek Bateman again oh, uh, it's but, great I think it's a good start and they're called, they're, they are keeping him as the one percenter it's the same character and everything it's a good gimmick it's great gimmick oh, yeah. I, just, I, thought that, I, thought that, I thought they just might have called him Ethan Carter is what I meant because I, I, the EC3 sure. thing I know um, was, obvi- was obviously it's a take off of tell me remind me it's an American footballer isn't it uh, yes it is yeah I can't think it's of it's RG3 but yeah, Robert, Gr- Robert Griffin the third 
Right, okay. I knew I knew it was an, I knew it was a playoff yeah. or something like that. But the whole thing of the Carter family and whatever through Dixie, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that the EC3 thing doesn't is a bit of a weird one for me. Anyway, let's, again, it's an aside. But he is your more traditional WWE guy. You know, he's got a bit of size, he's got a bit of presence, he's got a bit of charisma. Um, so he fits that sort of envelope. So we're on four different people. Then there's the Velveteen Dream. And so, okay, it's your, it's a bit of the gold dust, it's a bit of, you know, um, that sort of character. But we've talked about Velveteen Dream before on the show, and we've, you know, we've put him over in a big way. I think we're both fans yep. of him. Um, you know, I've suggested it's gold dust meets Paul Pogba. <laughs> and it's, it's just... But, I, but I, I love the gimmick. I think it's great. Five different wrestlers. Lars Sullivan, although physique-wise is probably a little bit similar to Killian Dane, God, no. doesn't really God, wrestle no. like Nothing him. like. Well, he's more similar to Killian Dane than he is to the other four. Lars Sullivan's a shaved but gorilla. But he doesn't wrestle like... He doesn't wrestle like Killian Dane. He's much more of a kind of... He's a bit of a throwback big guy heel. Yeah, he's like a circus strongman, I think. But he, but he does it really well. He reminds me... It's kind of like... It's what Snitsky could have been if Snitsky... You're, you're absolutely right. That's exactly where... That's that's exactly it, isn't it? And he's... Well, it's, what, it's, it's almost what, what Sid was. Bank it's right. Sort of, he absolutely looks terrifying. And I haven't seen enough of him yet to see if he can follow it up. But he wrestled... Cassius Ono yes. threat at the last takeover yeah. and I went oh I like this guy it just there was something about him the way he didn't now listen his position in life if he ever gets there is to have six months of beating jobbers and mid carders and then to get fed to the babyface champion mm. he's not a, he's not a world champion he's he'll have the run that Rusev has had forget the Rusev day I mean he'll Rusev yes. um or you're, like I said, you're, you're Snitsky, you're Heidenreich. He's better than them, I think. But he's that character. He's your Vladimir Kozlov. He's the silent, deadly, beats everyone, and then gets to John Cena or the like. And then yeah, I think he's... maybe you're right actually. And, at, and then at that point, immediately has his run. So I, I think he's a once he gets to the main roster, I think he's a year, eighteen month guy, and then he's done. And unless they can find the because that's what happens. They then find a silly gimmick. Now, actually, Rusev's doing amazingly well, but normally, it's the it's the Vladimir Kozlov push, isn't it? Serious, 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 beaten mid-carder comedy tag team. Even even great Carly was was comedy mid-carder, yes. wasn't he? Comedy babyface yeah. mid-carder. So I don't. I, I'm not saying I can see that with Lars Sullivan, but. I think his career trajectory, if, if that's the best he does, then he's had a good career. Agreed, yeah. But, I, but I, anyway, short term, I like him. But what I'm getting at, I, 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 it's long-winded, I know. Apologies, everyone. But that is six incredibly different wrestlers, as far as I'm concerned. And I could just, I get the feeling that you could do something, you could you could do all sorts with that six as a group. You could do three-on-threes and, you know, six-man individual matches and all sorts of little tournaments and stuff. It's just... It would be even if you could do like a little mini league where they all wrestle each other. It would be utterly fascinating because this and I I, lo- I think it shows a wonderful degree of variety on that show. And cu- what I'm getting at really is kudos to Triple H and to everyone involved in the NXT because the criticism of your OVWs and whatever is it was churning out what the Americans call cookie cutter wrestlers. So when you're making your uh, your little biscuits there and you've got a, a shape that you make all them all into that is what the suggestion was now whether that's right or wrong 
you know, I would argue that class that we're talking about that came out, I would argue that Batista is different to John Cena, who is different to Randy Orton, who is different to Shelton Benjamin, who is different to Brock Lesnar. I think the criticism so started after that class, though. I think that was that was the class, wasn't it, of, um, of graduates from any development system. I think beyond that, when you're talking about your Ted DiBiase's and Mark Jindrax and all those sort of guys... Well, Mark Jindrax's not at OVW. He was... Was he? Right. But I know he's... But, um, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, but I, th- I think, you know, the style anyway, I think you're probably right. Um... And so kudos to NXT that all those six guys are different. And even after that, none of them are like Gargano and Ciampa. And none of them are really like Cien Almas. And none of them are really like Alistair Black. Nope. And none of them are really like Roderick Strong. And so, do you know, it's, there's a hell of a lot of variety. And that's wonderful because that's what we need. You need to, because Lars Sullivan won't be to everyone's taste. And neither will um, Johnny Gargano. But they'll both serve a purpose at some point on the main roster and so if they can keep producing guys like that and what a great hope it is for anyone wherever they are in the world I bet there'll be people that you're thinking of right now that are you know bloody good British wrestlers that 10 years ago you wouldn't have thought would have a squeak but they would look at that and go well you know if Killian Dane can make it mm-hmm. and if Roderick Strong can make it and if Alistair Black can make it well actually I think Alistair Black's not a very good example because I think he would have succeeded in any era he's great but there's a lot of people that aren't your general that is what WWE sign out there and then even if you never make it to the main roster of WWE if you wrestle a few times for NXT you've done alright you've done okay yeah I think you're right I think one of the great strengths wrestling's a buffet isn't it wrestling's a buffet it's a variety show and I think that this um this is a great example um it's a really really um strong diverse match on a strong diverse roster so it's, in essence it's it is it encapsulates nxt who do you think is going to win ricochet do you yeah i would say that's the obvious choice um my opinion my Thank opinion you. is ricochet's about to win and then ec3 takes him out i think ec3 is the next best choice i think i have a thing for debuting people winning matches mm-hmm. I think if you I think if you're when I say debut you might pick me up that they've been on an NXT match on the TV no show. no no, no neither have no okay so I think that they're the two choices in fact maybe you're right actually EC3 has got more of a, a an arrogant heel champion his character fits being a champion is he, is he, is he a heel yes he is yeah okay yeah he should, cause he should be because to be fair to him the times I saw him in TNA as a babyface, I liked him. I thought he had quite a good um, strength of character. You know, felt wronged by people, and you know, was was standing up for himself. I quite, I liked him as a babyface, but I think I think he has to do the heel thing first. Yeah. And you have to grow to respect the heel EC3. A little bit like the run we had with Rollins. You know, like how Rollins was a heel and you needed to grow to respect the heel Rollins. Yeah, absolutely. Before you could really love him as a babyface. And uh, I, I think similar for for EC3. So actually, yeah, the more I think about it, listening to your reasoning, I think that... Um, it's a simple story. Uh, I would put... Sorry, go on. I'd put the belt over his shoulder because Ricochet has a babyface chasing... I'm not, not necessarily they do EC3 Ricochet, but he can get away with it. He might be actually the sacrificial lamb doing the silly big spot in the ladder match and allowing someone else to I think it's about um, and and NXT is so good at this I think it's about delaying 
the payoff for the audience delaying what the audience was delayed yeah and if you give if you give ricochet the win on the first night in then where's it to go from there um i think no I just, I just think that having him chase having him have adversity whereas ec3 is the one percenter has everything handed to him on a plate fits i mean we're not going to talk about the tag team situation but the tag team champions at this moment are heels yep and I foresee Shayna Baszler winning mm-hmm. and she's a heel and we'll talk about the, ta- the main event in a minute but Sienna Olmas is a heel and it's just I think if EC3 wins the title suddenly you've got I think you could have the belt on four heels now I know you could also sw- you know it's on one heel at the mo- two heels and one baby face at the moment you could argue it'll be on three baby faces by the end of NXT so I, I, I get that it's not as straightforward as that but I can foresee a situation where it's on four heels um, and I, I think you need to have at least one or two baby faces with belts. I it has to be a balance overall, but for a moment in time, doesn't bother me in the least. And I will come on to it in a second, but I don't think we will have four heels. So okay, well let, let's let's do it then. Um, so you're saying Alistair Black wins? Yeah, I do. And I don't think it's going to be you know the most dramatic story. I don't think there's going to be anything to go around it. I just think Alistair Black is going to counter Selena Vega he's going to take out Almas he's going to win the title and then off Almas goes to the main roster I think too early to counter her really one more match I think I think she does enough I love her character agreed I love that I love the story of Almas going nowhere and her coming in and manipulating him and manipulating opponents and manipulating officials (sighs) And ostensibly, what you should think, this is old school booking, the fans should think he doesn't deserve to be champion. He's only champion because of her. Yep. But I, So I think, therefore, you have to get rid of her. So I think you do the one-on-one here with her in the corner and she affects the match and has her man win. And then the next time, Regal, because Regal's a babyface authority figure... Regal should then say, okay, um, Black gets another shot, but this time Vega's barred from ringside. Or Black gets another girl in his corner that can see her off. But I don't see his character as being one that's got a valet. So, um, you know, if this was Gargano and he could have Candice in his corner, then different. Mm. But um, I would like, I would do Almas wins with her help, her distraction, something. And then the next time, whether it's at the NXT TakeOver in June or whether it's on the NXT TV show, I would then do Black v Almas with Vega barred from ringside and then he wins. I think that's the, the good old school way of doing it. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, I could definitely see either way. I I suppose I'm going off the, the rumours that I'm reading about who's getting called up afterwards and and I, I was really impressed with Almas at the Royal Rumble I just thought you know he was in there for a good one time he just looked like a man that fits on the main roster and I think there's certain guys Elias being the prime example that just are better off and are going to be better overall in WWE than they will in NXT and not that uh, Almas hasn't done brilliantly because he has I think he's doing better on the main I think he's a star an absolute star in the making on the main roster as a package with Vega I don't think I don't think he's a megastar. I don't see him as being a, a top guy, but I do think he could be very handy. He could, he um, could be, given the breaks, given his ethnicity, yeah. given the 
package between those two, which always helps. Um, having the female valet always helps. He could be a big, big star. Yes, given given his ethnicity. Yes. Um, as you, as you I'm on my second cup of tea, Rob. Oh well, steady yeah. on. How many? How many? How many sweeteners? No, no, I don't take sugar or anything like that. Just, uh, just a oh, splash of milk. I'm just saying, God, really. <laughs> <laughs> Dallas, Dallas, we never. <laughs> um, that's got a bar to follow. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just, I don't see him as being a top guy. I don't think him. I love her act, but I don't think you can. It's not one that you can do for five years. No. And I think without her, I think he's struggling. Um, I think she's got a little bit of the AJ Lee's, a bit of the Sonny's about her, in the sense that he could lose the title and she could bin him. Mm, maybe, and maybe. Then, and, then, and then she, and then she could rock up managing Dolph Ziggler, and he gets his mojo back. And meanwhile, Almas sort of floats around looking like a sad act. And you know, Zelina is now with Dolph, and they're making out, and Dolph's the US champion again. And like, I, I'm I'm borrowing that obviously from the AJ storyline. Yeah, but yeah. I think she's the star. Well, the way the, the way that they've booked the story, I think she's the star. And in the way that you know, when Sonny was managing the oh, body God, donors, yeah. and then and then the the smoking guns, like Sonny was clearly the star. Yes, agreed. And it was about what she did next. And I just look at if Almas loses his title, she should go and nap. Forget you, mate. I've done everything for you, and you've lost. Now screw you. And then she turns up managing someone else, like Sensational Sherry. You know, once, um, once Macho Man was no good for her, she she turns up with with DiBiase. Yeah, 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 absolutely. To, to me, that's the that's the classic. You know, Sherry was, Sherry was with this guy, and then she was no use to her anymore. So then she was with this guy, and once once DiBiase was out of the picture, she turned up with Sean. It's like classic heel, you know, valet flipping from man to man when it suits her as Gorilla would say you know she lost her meal ticket and it's uh, I just think that's the Vega character and I think it's better than the Almas character so I have an issue with him getting to the very top because I think he's going to be slightly um, emasculated cuckolded and it won't allow him to get where he needs to be I think he's got the talent because I I wasn't a big Almas guy until the last NXT takeover. Mm, same. And the match he had with Drew, and the match he had with Drew was really, really good. I mean, properly. Do you mean? Good. Do you mean that was, two guys. that was a couple of guys? The last NXT takeover it was that an amazing, amazing match with Gargano. Oh, that's the one. Sorry, that is the yeah. one I mean. That is the, that is the one I mean. Although no, 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 it's not. I like the one. With so Drew. did I. But the one with Gargano. Was no, I was no, no, I do. No, I, I do mean the one with Drew. No, I do mean the one with Drew because that was the one I didn't think. I didn't think he had it in him, and and he did. And then the one, with, no, the one with the Gargano was great, but it, it, you're right, it was a better match. But it, no, it was the Drew one I'm thinking of was the one where he, he made a believer out okay. of me. It was because it was a cracking match on a good show. It was a brilliant match, and I didn't think the pair of them were capable of it. That's when Drew got injured, right? That's right. Yep. Yeah. So I'm saying that. No, that's the one that was the standout. And so, therefore, I was kind of expecting the match to be good with Gargano. I wasn't expecting it as good as it was. Oh. Um, but I started to fall into the I like Almas camp from the Drew match. So I just, yeah, I just got I just got my timeline confused. But it, yeah, so that was that, that was what Survivor Series. That, that um, yes, yeah, 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 or something like that. 
Sweet. You're, 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 lead, you're leading this little segment. I well, oh, sorry. Okay, right. Well, I'll, 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 I'll just wrap it up then. Uh, overall, I think, you know, long, we long ago stopped questioning it, questioning NXT takeovers. This is going to be the latest in a long line of superb ones. Top to bottom, the card looks excellent. Um, if I had a little criticism, I'd say it was maybe slightly overbooked. But we'll get into that more once we can talk about the tag title match. Um, because I want to talk about the card as a whole. There's some points I want to make there. Um, but yeah, it's going to be stellar. And But what I will say, as I was thinking this today, for the first time in a long time, as good as NXT is going to be, this might be the first time the main card outshines it. Well, we'll see. It's a difficult one. I think, I think it's always difficult to judge because I think they offer different things I don't think it's necessarily that's a little bit like saying that the uh, the fantastic Indian restaurant you went to last week was better than the steakhouse you went to the week before yeah yeah I understand what you're saying because you you just might like Indian food better than some people and you know others would prefer the, the, the you know the good solid steak and other some would want the tasting menu and some just want the, the roast dinner I think it's there are different, there are majorly different tastes, and I, I don't think they're the same. I don't think they're the same product, and I also think some people, you could serve them up the biggest pile of shit ever, and they go, "Oh, NXT was better," because they want to be that little bit slightly different, yeah. hipster. I like the band you've never heard of, um, kind of thing. Most of the time, the NXT shows are magnificent, and I think the last one was probably as good as you know, if they've done 19. The last one was probably as good as any. Absolutely. Um, but there have been times where I've known people going oh, this NXT show is going to be amazing, and then it's ordinary, and they go, oh, it was amazing. I go, mm, was it, though? Or were you expecting it to be ordinary? And actually, you've gone into WrestleMania going, well, this will let me down, as usual, and you've not given it a chance. And it's, you know, I think a classic example is the, the WrestleMania three years ago, you know, people still, I don't think, quite appreciate quite how good WrestleMania 31 was. I think 31 was a really good mania, and um, they didn't want to like Lesnar and Reigns and they're not going to want to like it this time either but they didn't want to like it three years ago and judge the match totally differently from the point where Rollins gets involved but up until that point it was an absolute cracker yep, yep absolutely it was, was. A cracker um, Sting and Triple H too much gimmickry I don't want Triple H to win whatever at the time watching it live that was the match that in our sold out WrestleMania party in Belushi's, that was the one that got the biggest reaction of the night. People loved yep. that match. They loved DX and the NWO and all that kind of stuff. Was that the same show as Cena Rusev with the tank? It was indeed. Uh, that was great fun. Um, just that was a great match. I agree. And people wanted to be down on it because it's not cool to like Cena Rusev and it's not cool to like Sting getting beat and it's not cool to like Brock and Roman. It's great mania. Yep. And I'm not saying that the NXT show the night before it was better or worse. I can't remember. Couldn't remember if you told me. I'm, no, I'm not sure yeah, I could I either. That, but I can't remember. But the, my point is, is that some people will decide already that they're not going to like WrestleMania. And so, be that be that as it may, because those same people are, are they are absolutely not going to like the next Justin Bieber song. Do you know what I mean? It's like they're just because they, they can't like Justin Bieber because they like, you know, proper bands and they can't like something. Actually, every now and again, you know, someone releases a song and you go, oh, that's pretty good. 
And if you've got no bias towards them before they bring the song out, then you can enjoy a song. Whereas if you hate them and you cannot possibly like them, then you'll never get the enjoyment. And I think people have already decided that NXT is better than WrestleMania. And if that's the way they decide it, then be that as it may. But I don't think. But I don't think you're. I don't think you're far off the mark in saying that quite often, for a certain level of fan, even the ones that can keep their eyes open and judge equally and without um, partiality that they can say that they enjoyed NXT more than WrestleMania. There's nothing wrong with enjoying NXT more than WrestleMania, by the way. I'm not knocking you for no. it. I'm just saying some people are closed-minded. But you're right, there will have been times over the last few years since the NXT takeovers have started where on Monday you go, I enjoyed NXT more. And sometimes it's because it's shorter. Sometimes it's because it's pithier and you want to watch a wrestling show in two and a half hours and not bloody five. Yep. Um, this part That is part of the, uh, the judging panel, I think. And I think that the fact that there are five matches again, there are almost always five matches on the NXT shows. Every now and again they creep into a little bonus six, but if it is, it'll be just a. It's usually a bit of an introduction match, isn't it? So it's someone that we haven't seen very much of beating someone like Cassius Ono in six minutes, you know, in a you know a fun little like like, like with Lars Sullivan that we saw, you know, it might be that, that sort of intro match that's added at a later date, but that's. I don't see that happening this time. I think they've got plenty on their plate with the five. Yeah, I agree. It's um, short, sweet. There's no fat. It's and it is usually five matches, and there's very few of them of those matches that are duds. It's just it's always the case. It's always the case. I think on wrestling cars that less is more because if you're cutting down the time, by very definition, you're having to cut out the least decent parts of the card so the, the shorter you go the higher the overall quality um, quite right quite right and so as we enter our third hour on this particular podcast <laughs> let's practice what we preach actually we're not quite on three hours I don't think but I bet we're, we're, we're I think we've just gone past two and a half so uh, let us wrap it up um, you can call us hypocrites if you wish people also I will remind you you can pause podcasts and come back to them much easier than you can uh, a live wrestling show, but um, yes, I, I listen. I've I think it's set for a really great weekend. Even if you didn't watch WrestleMania, I think you'd have a joy watching the NXT show and the Hall of Fame. Um, and imagine if my belief comes to fruition is that in maybe next year or in a couple of years' time, we're discussing the two nights of WrestleMania as well as uh, NXT. Uh, and Hall of Fame. We'd even, when me and Paul were talking about what we were going to talk about on this podcast, we were even going to, we were going to touch on the uh, the night after Mania. But uh, I don't think we're going to do that now. No, <laughs> we're, no. A bit far, we're a bit far into this to do that one. Uh, we might do that next week. Um, speaking of next week, uh, our intention is to try and get a couple of shows to you next week. I know that me and Paul are both a bit busy here and there, and we're going to have to try and find the time to record. So it might be that you get a couple of shows bang, bang towards the end of the week. Um, It might be that you only get one, because uh, quite frankly, if we get to the point where we need to put aside three hours to do a recording, and Paul has to process a great many things for 25 hooked on Mm -hmm. wrestling parties, then uh, it may be that uh, one of our uh, recordings goes by the wayside. But there will be at least one more hooked on podcast before Wrestlemania we'll look to probably to try and get uh, at least one of our buddies on to uh, uh, to go through the card we'll do a probably quite a traditional through the card uh, Wrestlemania lineup. I think it, this card warrants it Wrestlemania warrants it uh, and we will uh, certainly attend to that next week but we'll, uh, we will see how we go but stay tuned 
uh, for that. Before we leave you, um, we'll just give you a, a quick uh, rundown of the uh, the pay-per-view parties one more time. Don't forget, you can watch WrestleMania with us April the 8th. Uh, 25 different venues around the UK and indeed one in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. There's the Hooked on Wrestling quiz, there's the fancy dress, there's the wrestling music and there's all the bits and bobs that go along with it. And the thing that we never mentioned earlier on is the most fun aspect is to watch WrestleMania with dozens, hundreds even, of your fellow wrestling fan reacting to matches, cheering, booing, chanting. It all goes down. It is the next best thing to be in there. Uh, and even if you're a little bit intimidated, come along on your own. You will blend into a crowd. You will make new friends. You'll have a drink. You'll watch some wrestling. Seriously, what's the worst that can happen? I guarantee you, you'll have a great night. And if the WrestleMania is terrible, that ain't our fault. But I think it's shaping up this year to be uh, a real cracker. Um, Paul, I'm hoping, is going to be able to tell you where all the venues are. We're not going to do the whole, here's the street name, postcode and everything. Um, next week we might have to be a little bit more um, on the ball as far as giving you some details about the shows. But uh, for now, can you give us 25 venues, Paul? 25 yeah, I can. Locations? Let's go. We've got London in Clapham. Uh, plenty of tickets. Well, no, sorry. There's a few tickets left there, should I say. Um, London Bridge, VIP, just a handful left there. Uh, Manchester... Leeds, Watford, Nottingham, Birmingham, Bournemouth, Newbury, not West Newbury, uh, Derby, Leicester, Sheffield, Cleethorpes, Chester, Newcastle, Glasgow, Bristol, Luton, Lincoln, Beverley, York, Brighton, Chelmsford, and Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Holy moly. Hey, pretty super, you're pretty super served in Yorkshire, aren't you? Leeds, York, and Beverley. And Sheffield. And Sheffield and Cleethorpe's not that yeah, far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're in the, uh, well, in the uh, same, in the same in the Midlands. Yeah. You know, you've got Leicester, Derby, Nottingham, Birmingham. Yeah, true. Good point. Oh, it shows the, uh, it shows the sheer, um, the sheer power of these things now that uh, there's enough wrestling and enough hooked on to go oh. around. So sorry, listen, I, do you know? Do you know I, sorry, I'm just going to stop there. I missed two out. I'm sorry. I, we've, we've missed out Glasgow and Bristol. No, you didn't. You said both Did I? Oh, I'm going crazy then. Sorry, yeah. guys. Yeah, no, you definitely said both of those because I remember thinking... Oh, I have. I um, have. You're right. That, uh, I remember thinking that uh, Glasgow is um, being hosted by Jamie Kennedy, who is... Yep, right, that's it? right. Yeah, Jamie's been uh, terrific over the last uh, couple of weeks. He's helped us out on the um, uh, promotion front for Glasgow, but also has been writing some preview stuff for us. I mentioned before... If you go to the uh, thesun.co.uk and get through to their WWE pages, uh, you will find already there being several um, previews of individual matches by part of the Hooked On team, uh, and that is continuing all the way through to WrestleMania itself. I think we've done, we're talking Thursday night, I think we've done four or five so far. Um, yeah, um, I think we're on four at the moment, yeah. Something, four or five so far, and then so we've got, I think we've, we've done previews for 14 matches, um, and so they will be... Uh, produced on the Suns website all the way up until Wrestlemania next week you'll probably get two a day because there's That's right. uh, as, we, as we catch up and I think there'll be a little be uh, a little hiatus over the Easter weekend but then it'll pick up next week so please go to the sun.co.uk find the wrestling pages and uh, have a look at what the Hooked On team have got to say so that's the reason I knew you mentioned Glasgow because I was thinking about Jamie uh, who's been a, a strong new member of the Hooked On team uh, and you definitely said Bristol because I was thinking that would be the nearest one to me from down here in the southwest if uh, if I was going to one as a fan, I'd be going to Bristol. Awesome. So that is uh, definitely you mentioned them. Um, so 
unless you are in the far reaches of Cornwall or in the very very north of Scotland in which case um, we're not quite getting to you and indeed uh, parts of Wales where you're a bit remote um, you can probably get to a hooked on party inside an hour and a half um, it is worth your while um, it's payday this weekend um, so it's worth your while find a cheap hotel, B&B, hostel do what you need to do uh, go up to the nearest one, stay over and watch Wrestlemania because it's shaping up to be a cracking mania and you will enjoy, enjoy it five times more uh, along with Hooked On exactly Wrestling. five times more uh, 4.873 actually but it, sometimes it's a bit confusing to say Fair that enough. Um, and I have to explain my algorithm so I say five times um, because A, it makes me sound more like Booker T and that's frankly what I aspire to <laughs> Uh, and B, it's uh, just a, it's just rounded up. So, um, so that's it. Um, so, if you are interested in any of those shows, um, if you want any more information about any of them, uh, for little fiddly stuff, um, as in, do I need to be 18 plus? Answer: Yes, you do. Do I need to bring ID? Yes, you do. Um, can it be an ID that says my mum says I'm 18? No, it can't. Um, can it be a passport photo of you when you were four? <laughs> <laughs> no it can't genuine question um, but uh, generally speaking if you've got anything to ask us about um, the shows feel free don't think it's a stupid question we have been asked bloody everything there aren't any stupid questions because if you don't know something and someone has got to tell you the answer at some point it's cool just ask we're very friendly um, and Paul where can they find us on social media uh, you can find us on facebook.com forward slash HO wrestling or twitter uh, HO underscore wrestling we do have an Instagram page as well uh, hooked underscore on underscore events there we go and uh, I'll throw Paul under the bus and tell you that you can uh, you can email Paul at hookedonevents.co.uk as well there you go um, and he can help he can help you out um, like I say, if you've got any questions, um, you know, silly or otherwise, um, just just let us know, and we'll we'll help out where we can. Um, other than uh, other than that, um, it remains. Oh, we need to yeah, we need to tell you to go to hookedonevents.co.uk or um, why am I having a blank pool? Ringsideworld.co.uk. Correct. For tickets. For tickets. So that's where you need to go um, to purchase. So ringsideworld.co.uk, hookedonevents.co.uk as well and the social media that Paul has just given you. So what are you waiting for? All you've been delayed is the seven and a half hours that we've been talking about the Hall of Fame and NXT. But uh, we, as you can probably tell, are getting fully into the WrestleMania mood. Um, this is always the time of year where it starts to take over. Um, I love the time of year anyway, sporting-wise. We're getting towards the end of the football season, the denouement of that. We're going to get the, the US Masters Golf is coming soon, the Grand National. All some great sport going on, but none of it tops WrestleMania, and that is coming around the corner. So please do enjoy it, along with Hooked on Wrestling. We would love to see you there. We're already in the record-breaking territory. We want to push it even further any final words Paul before we wrap up this marathon episode? Um, all I will say guys is thank you for bearing with us um, I've had a lot of questions and uh, inquiries this week trying to work my way through them desperately I will get back to everyone but if I've not got back to you yet either ask me again or just hold on and we'll get there we will we promise we'll, uh, we'll up it next week as well certainly so uh, from all the team at Hooked on Wrestling, and that isn't just um, isn't just uh, me and Paul, um, we have a huge team behind us these days in terms of 
uh, people that help us for the parties and all that kind of thing. We might do a podcast after WrestleMania, which is an hour, and that is literally just us saying thank you. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's a huge, huge team, and to those of you that are part of that team and listen along to the podcast as well, uh, we might not say to you often enough, but we're hugely thankful of all your efforts. So uh, keep it going, and we'll reward you, lovely. Uh, we'll reward you, lovely people, at WrestleMania, and indeed at the greatest Royal Rumble there has ever been coming up uh, on April the 27th. But for now. Uh, from showbiz Paul Benson and myself Rob McNichol thank you very much for joining us on the show The Sun's Hooked on Wrestling and it just remains for me to say don't forget that it's wrestling enjoy it and we'll see you next week when it's Wrestlemania week